Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and now Keller Williams real estate agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front and no smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. If you enjoy this podcast, give it a like, man. It's a free podcast. Like it, share it. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate it if you rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever app you use to listen to my sultry voice. Um, I really appreciate it, and it really does help. If you have any comments or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And YouTube, yes, the videos are now being edited. So soon they will be up on YouTube. Go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. You can also look me up on Snapchat, Jeremy Burgess. Legal disclaimer. It's the world we live in, folks. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment or investment decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't sue me. All right. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week. Every week, I try and pick a quote that sets a tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And I don't know Doug that well, but I stole it from his Facebook page, so I'm pretty sure he's going to like this one. (laughs) But I picked the least um, interesting of them, but I happen to really like this one, too. Two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity, and I'm not sure about the universe. (laughs) Albert Einstein. Yeah, Albert's a good guy for <laughs> quoting. <laughs> and uh, you live long enough on that planet, it's hard not to agree with that mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, uh, personally, too. And now, let me introduce you to my, my two guests, Doug and Deb Benson. And I apologize. I wrote this for Doug. I didn't know his lovely wife, was, Deb, was coming. So I'm going to kind of redo this on the fly. So if I trip over it, forgive me. Um, Doug is a software quality engineer and his wife, Deb is a registered nurse. Deb retired from nursing 10 years ago and Doug still has his day job. Deb's family has been doing real estate uh, for a long time. And her father was immensely successful in the trade, both as an investor and a contractor. And that's kind of where they got their chops, uh, her chops broken in there. Um, Doug's mom and dad were renters and didn't own their first house until they were in their forties. Esker properties, LLC was founded in November, 2004 they already had a four-unit uh, apartment building, but I guess that would be a that's – still, that's still single family though, right? Four-unit. But they were soon yep. to close on a 16-unit, so they started the company. Esker Properties Apartments now has 81 units, 54 two-bedrooms, and 27 one-bedrooms across seven buildings in Lansing and Holt. These are class C-plus to B-minus buildings with B-plus to A-minus interiors. Their last building was purchased using private money – combined with a commercial loan. Um, They're looking to land a bigger complex that is always in play and will take other investors to help make that happen. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So if that's something you're interested, (laughs) you know where to go. I'll I'll tell you here in a second. They've also flipped over the years, 25 plus houses along the way. And we'll never not do that side of the business, even though they're focused on apartments that last year. 
Uh, they have flipped 15 units in the last nine months, meaning they're they're turning over their old apartment units and redoing them. New doors, floors, lights, counters, cabinets, appliances, paint, etc. And I have a couple more to go. Super busy, uh, but we'll slow down because they run out of units to turn over. Unless somebody <laughs> wants to give them a really good deal on apartment there building, you go. right? Yep, that works. You can reach Doug and Deb Benson at eskerproperties.com. That's E-S-K-E-R properties.com. You can also hit them up on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Esker Properties, E-S-K-E-R, 517-290-6739. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having us. us. Yeah, it's good to to see you guys here. So last time, man, it's been – when's the last time I saw you, Doug? Uh, I was talking to the Renegade folks. I think we were probably talking about apartments, right? We were. I think it was like a year and a half ago. It might have been a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the top five presentations. You're actually a pretty funny guy. Yeah. Not anymore. I think I'm, so. I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm going to curmudgeon school myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could teach you some stuff. You know? <laughs> okay. Disagree with everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> be angry. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, only kind of. But uh, so you guys got your start. Deb, your family was into real estate. and Was it flipping, rentals, or both? Uh, probably both. My dad started flipping essentially our own house he bought a house that had an old basement and built a house on top of it and from then just started splitting properties and building and then went into lansing area and bought a four unit i think or an old house he turned into a four unit so his whole life was kind of doing that he was pretty successful at it and you know taught us all a lot of hard work and (laughs) that was uh so that's why I became a registered nurse because I got tired of cleaning up all the refrigerators. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was the seed. That... It's my favorite topic: child labor. Mm-hmm. How much child labor was yeah, involved in that real estate he, business? He was a, he's a great guy, and I love working with him. But if he paid better, probably I would have <laughs> yeah. real estate a little longer. Hardest working guy you're ever like, going to meet. If ever. I don't go to college, I'm going to be cleaning refrigerators yeah. forever. Oh, that's the worst. Yep. Uh, especially after you turn a rental, cleaning the fridge. I, I worked with my wife for a minute uh, cleaning apartments in Pullman, Washington, and that is the worst. You're like, you think it's the bathroom? No, it's the fridge. Mm-hmm. It's always the fridge. Yep. It's always the worst part. So where things go to die. That's How true. many years? Um, I mean, is he still doing it or? Did he um, retire or? He doesn't have as many. I don't think he has as many rentals. He okay. more. He has a few uh, houses. I think that he has a couple cottages, lakefront cottages, and so I'm not exactly sure how much he has, but he's kind of sold most of his apartments. But he still helps me flip a couple of houses. So he still works with you guys. He's amazing. Yeah, he is amazing. With. Yeah, he. Is Plus, he he was doing all this in the '60s when the dream of. You know, yeah. I mean, you bought a house today, you give $10 for it, and tomorrow it's immediately worth 15 So, And he took complete and perfect advantage of that. You know, just turning over houses, doing any deal that he could. He's the first guy that started introducing um, property splits. You know, he was getting to a point eventually where he was buying farms and then busting them up into pieces along the road, right? Yeah. And then selling out every individual piece. This is in the 60s. I mean, that was unheard of. It was a new... He just he has a great mind for it. He's a real guy to have as a mentor. Good to have him around. So he's like a land developer too. He's kind of done he it was. all. Yeah, he was. That's, yep. that's some developing stuff. On mm-hmm. a, yeah, on a probably small scale, and it, it was kind of new stuff in the '60s and '70s. But oh yeah, that was that was when everybody was there's a real push. It started in the '50s, but real push to leave the cities and get out. So that was I'm sure he was riding a big wave, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, Lots of value there. Here's your new pretty house in this great subdivision, by the way. Yeah. A little bit different taste of what <laughs> people do it today. Like, geez, oh, Pete's, are there humans in the house? Are there critters in the I mean, it was just a different world, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're buying houses today that are the real only reason you're buying them is because they're so far underground. They're so far underwater. You know, they're struggling. They're in trouble. I mean, that, that world didn't exist when Paul was first starting in. So I don't know. He, he just, he, like I said, he, Knows more than any person I've ever met. He's forgotten more than any person I've ever met. So it was real smart to marry his daughter. Okay. However, we got to get him on the podcast. Never knew we were going to do real estate though when we first got together. So really? that was yeah, no, not uh, even like never. Like well, that's why she became mind. an RN. She didn't want anything Honest, to do. I, yeah. I was yep. thinking I would be cleaning and painting and yeah, forever, and just, right? Yeah, I just yeah. didn't see the. And he tried. I mean, I was. He would try to tell me about interest and. All of that, and I just, just wasn't saw the interested work. Yeah. at sixteen and seventeen. Oh, but, that's that's pretty you know, understandable. Years later, and after working as a nurse for several years, and having four kids, the thought of putting four kids through college and four weddings, then you start thinking about. I'm just gonna adjust your mic a little bit. Don't mind me. Yeah, yeah the possibility of uh, perfect making a little more income that you think you're gonna need. So yeah, then I started. So I I thought I knew that the possibility to be successful was there because I had seen that, you know, with my parents. And so I, I guess that maybe I had a little more uh, assurance that I could make this work. Yeah. And I had none at all. I just had to convince this <laughs> <Right>. guy. <laughs> like, I mean, no, I'm not doing my it. family, every one of them worked for the government. You know, dad worked for DNR. Mom worked for the county as a secretary. Sister worked for liquor control. Brother ended up working for MSU. Other sister ended up working for the legislature. Other brother was a, a Lansing cop. You know, I mean, these guys are all government people. So that's that's sort of a go to work, come home, sit in the barca lounger, have a cold one, and wait for the next day. You yeah, know I mean, work, that's work just, for thirty years. Yeah, uh-huh. get a pension. Yep, Monday through Friday, yep. eight to five. That. So that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And yeah. then I met this wild and crazy woman and. We, I see the appeal. We still wanted to, yeah, just be those sort of, let's not get to, you know, I mean, I ended up walking down kind of a white collar path. You know, I mean, I, I got banking only because there were a couple banks in Mason. That was the easy next job to get after you work at A&W cooking French fries, right? So, you know, and then I went, took a couple of uh, data processing classes, thought that seemed interesting. And back in 1980, you didn't need a college degree to be a programmer because they didn't even know what the heck they didn't know what we were. They didn't know if we were mathematicians or are we business people or are we engineers. They didn't even know where to slot us in their college kind curriculum. Kind of all of the above, though, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah. So it seemed interesting. It was fun, and it kind of lined up with my head and the way I'm wired. And so I got went into IT, and suddenly the money is pretty good in IT, and Deb's making all kinds of coin as a registered nurse, and we just figured that was it. You know, Never going to need set. any more money. That's You're good right. forever. Yep. Life's going to make sense. But we started looking at... I mean, honestly, we've always looked way ahead in our lives. You know, one of our first one or two dates, Debbie was already talking about what it would be like to be a grandma. And I'm thinking, what 16-year-old chick thinks like this? You know, I mean, I was thinking about where am I going to go the next day to get some illegal beer? 16. uh, Well, she was 15 when I met her, and I was 17. And the way I met her is another long story that we probably don't (laughs) want to get into. But We certainly do. Yeah. It it involves a bathroom at the Mason High School and a friend telling me about this hot new chick from Dansville that just moved into the high school. 
And he goes, in fact, there she is right there. And all I could see was the backside of this brunette girl walking into the girl's bathroom. And so I said, is that her? He goes, oh, yeah, that's her. And so I went and leaned against the bathroom, and I was waiting for, you know, her to come out. And, of course, I'm a senior in high school, and after you've spent 12 of your years in Mason, you know everybody, right? And so these girls are coming out. None of them are Deb, and they're like, Doug, what are you doing here? Doug, you know, and I'm getting slapped and beat. Hey, you pervert, get away from the door. It's and not I like that. Right. And My I'm like, future wife is in there. I'm like, hey, do I look like I'm waiting for you? You know, yeah. oh, it was a, oh, it was a tough moment. But yeah, then eventually Debbie walked out and I introduced myself. So anyway, to make, I, I'm terrible at making long stories short, but we didn't consider real estate as anything to, to do because we kind of thought that we had it all figured out. Until we wanted to buy our first house. Um, I think I was 21, right? You were 20? So young. Yeah. So responsible, too. Well, I don't know. Well, but we were living on three-something an hour, Doug's job as a Oh, as a teller, teller. yeah. $3.88 so an hour. So I just finished my nursing degree, and I was making $6 an hour. We did not know what we were going to do with all that money. <laughs> it was. It was. That, it was more money than I'd ever had in my life. Like, oh, we're rich. That's, yep. that's exactly. We had yep. that yeah. celebration in our little apartment. Like, this is going to be so much money. What are we going to do with it all? So, so we, we thought we should buy a house. We'll save it and yep. buy a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good plan. Yeah. So that's what we did. We did. Obviously, something went awry because, um, or how did you buy your first house? Yeah, or? we did. We did. Yep. The Bought a four bedroom, was, uh, bath and a half Cape Cod in Lansing. When interest rates were about 16%. Yeah. So we bought that on a land contract. Yep. Um, it's one of the things I love about the Midwest. If you're not from here and you move here, mm-hmm. you should really appreciate this. The seller financing culture here. It's just like long and steeped and in tradition. And if you read, I, I read a bunch of weird shit, like even Abraham Lincoln's letters and all that stuff from Illinois. And I all, love his letters. I, uh, all the, uh, seller financing is like ingrained. It's a in normal the part of commerce in the Midwest. Midwest. Yes, it, it really is. is. Yep. And it is. Move out west, everybody's like, what mm-hmm. is that? It's just part of it. So you, you bought on a land contract. Sure. Short-term loan contract, and then interest rates came down, and we refinanced it. And then I think by that time we were having our second baby, so we decided to move to a, a better area. Yeah, and yeah. So we kind of house-hecked, I guess that's a word you would use, to yeah. our way every four or five years. We did. We About would. every five years, we'd turn over a house, put a little bit of coin in our pocket, a little bit nicer house. We did that four houses, then built the house we really loved 20 years ago, and we've been living in it since. Mm-hmm. It's paid off. I mean, you know, that's just, it's nice. It's a nice life that way. But the thing I remember about that first house, though, was your dad, again, her dad, him coming over and saying, you guys really kind of need a deck on this house. <laughs> and that, I like was, decks. Yeah. that was my first understanding that, yes, you can show up with a chainsaw and mutilate a wall and create all kinds of dust and debris and nails to go flying. That and yet... So whatever the hell it was. <laughs> Would have been cooler if it was a chainsaw. <laughs> in my dreams, I'm going to keep the chainsaw in there, because it felt like a chainsaw. We'll go with chainsaw. But you know what? He ended up putting this beautiful slider with trimmed out nice, and he trimmed out the room. It was a little kind of a sunroom. He did this angle cut, tongue and groove wood. And when he was done, it was a beautiful entranceway out to this spectacular L-shaped deck around the corner of the house. He even had people come over to look at it, and he would build a deck like that for them. But that was 
<laughs> he was using it as a showroom well, too. Why not? Check you out know? this deck I built with well, a chainsaw. He did that with one lady, right? Uh, Mary. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I should say her last name, but anyway, it was, it was an eye-opening thing because my father was not that guy. My father was the guy that if the little door plunger thing didn't work, he would wrap wire back and forth from the first handle around the door plunger to the second handle back to force it to stay in the door. And then he'd just tell everybody that door doesn't latch anymore. I mean, <laughs> we called him Cobbling Bob for yeah. a, a good reason. So he wasn't fixing much no, of anything. No, but Deb's yeah. dad, again, you know, I mean, the guy could just turn anything into a jewel. And that was an eye opener. Watching people who really know what they're doing, I I really yep. enjoy it. Me whether too. it's food or anything. If you really anything. know what you're doing, it is fun to watch somebody just get stuff done. And well, I, and that's that's kind of driven us a little bit too in how we invest because we recognize, you know, a lot of folks are do-it-yourselfer guys and they're super skilled guys, but they're doing a hundred percent of the turn. You know what yeah. I mean? They're doing all the drywall, the paste, the mud, the floors, doors, lights, all the if you get a person who's ultra capable and that's what they do and they're really great at it, I'm not going to say the job's done better because now I've just upset every person that works it themselves. But It's also probably true. It might be. Yeah. But let me tell you, if Doug Benson does it, guaranteed the job <laughs> is done better by hiring these guys. But it's done better. It's done quicker. It's done. And I think in the long run, I think the money savings is there in the long run to hire these skilled guys. So. I just I just got to a point where I realized I could never be like that, you know, the guy that could turn a room into something yeah. beautiful. But I could recognize the value in doing that. And I think, you know, our next house we got after that was, you know, moving out to the west side of Lansing. And, you know, I think I was like, what, 24, 25 years old. It's this, for me, it's an executive ranch, you know, and I'm moving into an executive ranch at that age. Full basement, big, nice fireplace at the end of a, oh, yeah, you got a, a family maid. room. I mean, yeah. Living the good life. Living the good life. And and all of that was I because... the beer cracking and the barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> all of it. Kids running, kids around, running the, around with yep. the dog. Yeah, thousand kids running around the white yeah. picket fence. I hear it all. It sounds it beautiful. Great. But it was. I, I have nothing but great memories of that house. But what I feel best about that house is it was a smart economic purchase. Because we didn't make a ton of money out of that first house. I mean, we bought on a land contract, which means we had to pay quite a premium to even own that house. Yeah. And here's another thing we did too is we we're looking at twenty and thirty thousand dollar houses. Twenty thirty, twenty thirty, twenty thirty. This house comes along for forty four five and we look at it and of course it's got everything. Well, we weren't savvy enough to recognize that's why it's priced at forty four five. Yeah. It'd tend to be a little bit nicer house. It so was the only house we looked at in that price right. range. So I always tell people you should look yeah. at look everything. Look at a few more than one. Yeah. Anyway, but, but it was a nice house. Yep. So we barely broke even, came out a little bit ahead on that place after being there for four or five years. But the next house we bought very smart, did very well with that. The next house we bought even smarter, did very well with that, took up, you know, piled up three houses worth of uh, being smart and then built our next house. So I don't know. I think there was a quite a lot of real estate lessons, just sort of osmosis, uh, you know, through living in that first one. But I'm glad we bought it when we did. I think that was a, a great lesson for us. Well, it's like an excellent roadmap, too, for somebody who maybe wants a little extra money, a little extra security, but kind of put it in their own house. Mm -hmm. The average person moves every seven years. That's a good roadmap for, hey, let's roll some equity. Let's do some things. Let's, you know, because Dave Deska did the same thing on, but he did VA, I assume VA loans. Mm -hmm. And it took him three houses, too, and they rolled it into a free and clear 
build in Canton. It's amazing right. if you've ever seen it. It's like, damn, that's a nice house, Dave. Well, <laughs> awesome. yeah, yeah, we we built a, I considered a gorgeous house on water, and uh, you know that was the house that we were able. To, I mean, our equity position was so good in it. That that's you know what we advanced against to buy the sixteen unit building. So everything kind of feeds that way, you know. Yeah. Now I will admit, uh, this was in the eighties, and times were much better in the eighties than they are in the two thousand and teens, right? So yes. I don't know if that's available, if that map is available, but it was for us. I think know, so. Then. I think so. I think you have to be more careful now. Yes. Like yeah, that's true. Not as forgiving, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, right. things aren't as good. When things are better, you can make more mistakes. Yeah. And, so I think absolutely if you bought too much house you could sell it and probably still make a thousand or two thousand or make a small profit. Now in the last the water, ten years, yeah. if you made a mistake, yep. it puts you in a much more difficult position. So well, at some true. point in time you guys are doing this and for yourselves, when did you realize, wait a second, we can do this for other people? We've probably after we've our been- last house, right? Well, we actually, you're right. We flipped a couple. Yep. With my brother. I have a brother that's very close to my age, and um, he's obviously worked with my dad for many years. So the two of us, we did two or three houses together. That's true. We did. Um, were we living in Columbia at the time? Was that house number yes. three when we were doing that? Okay. Yes. Yep. So we did a couple of them, but our children were young. And we at that time, we were trying to do all the work ourselves. So four young children and two every jobs nail had to be hit by our hammer yeah it was all it, we, it was we were like a little overwhelmed we were like we were doing this to help our family but we're never seeing them and so we kind of waited until our we made a conscious a decision little, to stop yeah we did when the kids started getting a little older then we decided well we could go back to that again i'd love to do that again mm-hmm. Yeah, children are demanding. They need a lot of time, don't they? They need a lot. They do. Of, they need a lot. They're yeah. well and those are days you can't get back. No. You know what I mean? So I, it made sense. It made sense to sort of back yeah. off a little bit and then start in again. Here's the lessons of that, though. See, my oldest daughters are kind of, they, they don't remind you of my youngest daughters. My youngest daughters was when we went back into it and they saw us being entrepreneurs, right? Doing business stuff. And my two youngest daughters run their own business. Uh, my two oldest daughters aren't, Quite that way. I think they could be if they wanted to. But, the you know, it's just the indoctrination. You can see it. It's just very clear between one and two and three and four. I mean, three and four, we were flipping houses and getting into apartments and this kind of stuff and just kind of having business conversations and doing our own thing. And I think that left an imprint on the, on the you know, the daughters three and four. And I, I just wonder, you know, is that smart or not on our part? But it's just how we, you know, lived our life. I mean, we really felt like... At their age, we shouldn't be gone every day because when you do, I mean, you know, and so does anyone else in this business, it isn't a part-time endeavor. You know, I mean, you're normally, I mean, you come home from work at five and the first thing you're doing is putting on your car hearts to go out, you know, until nine or 10 or 11 at night or maybe even later. And Especially getting started. There's a ton of sweat equity getting started. I think we probably would have done better had we... You know, gotten a good contractor and had yeah. them turn it for us. And, you know, maybe we do the painting or something not quite as demanding. Uh, we might have been able to stick it out even when the kids were younger. I think that now that we've yep. flipped houses that way, I can see that that was would have been something we probably could have handled. But at the time, we thought we had to do it all ourselves and we weren't fast or experienced at it. So everything took us 
a little longer. You know, and me, I, I know I was trying to impress my father-in-law, right? Because he was all this, right? I remember the house we did with Deb's brother, and we're, we're bringing my father-in-law through it to show off this house we've done. You know, and here, Ricky and I, I mean, the house looked that really... sounds like maybe a bad idea. It, it, it looked yeah, really good. It did look good until you went to the bathroom. There's steam coming out of the toilet when my dad walked in. Yeah. Whoops. We'd hooked up the hot water to the toilet tank. You know, we just, I mean, <laughs> that that's who we were. You know, I mean, we were just trying to get it, everything done. The money. You yeah. the bathroom in yeah. hot water. And you get a uh, butt sauna. It's so, you know. sauna. Toilet. Yeah. Anyway, so all these good. I mean, let me tell you, I got more failure memories than I could shake a stick at. But I got, I got a few of those. That's my favorite part about being older and surviving mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. looking back and go, man, I. I was so stupid. It was that just, was the same how house. How did I even live? That yeah. was the same house that we used the water pressure thing on the uh, cedar shingles, remember? And I blew off uh, 80% of the shingles on the back of the house. Yes. Yeah, there was a lot of, that's Doug, a, you shouldn't do that again, memory. lessons there. <laughs> anyway. How did you take off 80% of the shingles? Well, like, I'd never did, used a power sprayer before, and they can be... A rather violent discharge of water. Doesn't that yeah. take a minute though to like knock off eighty percent of them? If you're standing five feet away from the wall, the water spray is everywhere. You're completely unaware of what's going on in your surroundings. It was a tiny and you're house. you don't let go of the water trigger because you're <laughs> freaking out. And when you finally do decide to drop everything and run like a scared little boy, that's hilarious. You look back and there's shingles all over hell, and oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Like, I won't do that again. The one yeah. that survived have marks all over uh-huh. them. But. No, there, there's plenty of lessons. I think the good Lord was telling me, Doug, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing this. I don't know if you're quite adding value. So, well, but anyway. if not, not if you wanted them to stay there. Right. If you wanted that's them right. gone, you did a really yeah, good job. Yeah, and I did a great job at demo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> really depends on what you're trying to go for. Uh-huh. When did you guys get serious about flipping again? Or because you started and you stopped and obviously you had to figure some stuff out. but 2000s, something like that. I mean, uh, Deb's brother, again, worked with a guy who was he, – he has a business with uh, highway cones and highway signs. That's his business is putting out safety signs and safety cones. And he owned a four-unit in Holt that he wanted to get out of because his other business was taking off and he didn't like the rental business. and. He told Rick about it, and Rick told us about it. And Tired landlord. Yep. I love them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. That's, exactly. That's exactly. And uh, we grabbed that building. That was our first uh, rental property. And, you know, I mean, I that was a dream come true. Debbie and I had been re- looking at classified ads all along, thinking that that made sense. You know, I mean, that whole – because I'm a Monopoly guy. I think Monopoly is a blast, and I thought adult Monopoly is flipping, you know, flipping houses and buying apartments. And yeah. so when the – Debbie would kept – bringing deals to me and they'd never work. You know I mean? I'd, Cause you know me, I'm also a spreadsheet guy, right? So I'm putting all the numbers in and they'd never cash flow. And she was convinced absolutely that I was doing something wrong. And we, we had a little bit of a conflict, like, look, you know, you might be a gorgeous model, but don't ever come in and hammer in my <laughs> spreadsheets, baby. But, uh, it's going to get mean in here. Yeah. The 20th deal and going, something's wrong with your math. <laughs> Cause everybody else is doing these deals and they must be making money. So I don't know what you're doing wrong, but, he was right. Yeah, you didn't realize nobody was making yeah, money. Yeah, that's I didn't realize yeah. nobody was making money. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, you, I even got sucked into that. Yep. You so. figure the minute you get a multifamily, you're immediately rich. And anybody that owns multifamily is immediately rich, and it ain't so. No. But he liked the numbers on this yeah. four unit. So. Mm-hmm. so we grabbed it. 
So you guys grabbed it. Yep. How'd you buy it? Uh, <laughs> that same beautiful loan. house. Equity, Equity. from the house for the down payment. Back then, you could get 90% loan to value. Uh, went to the local bank. Just got a mortgage, you know, 90% mortgage on the building. The good old days. The good old days. Yeah. Yeah. People listen to this like, no, especially the younger ones. That never happened. Yeah. Yep. That, that, that actually used to happen. No, it did used to happen. I think you can still get loans on them now, can't you? You can, but not yeah. like you could. Not as easily, yeah. probably. No, no. Right. and you're very unlikely to get a I'm probably not 90%. 90%. I don't think new, you can get 90, maybe new. 80. 80. But even then, though, the bank was so suspicious of us. Well, what experience do you have in this? Uh, none. So they went and put liens on every one of our cars, you know, and- I don't, I don't know. I have a reputation for not, I'd never buy a new car. I'm a used mm. car guy because I have a problem with all that depreciation the minute you buy a new car. Anyway, make a long story short. So I got these, you know, not exactly uh grade A automobiles that all have liens <laughs> on them. I'm like, well, okay. good for you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that'll, that'll prop up about 50 bucks worth That's of this hundred thousand like. dollar deal. So yeah. you, you can have my old cars. They, they, yeah. they want our cars. Like, yeah. <laughs> But that that also sent me a little bit of a message that maybe they weren't uh, uh, going to be there for me either. You know, I mean, they were so suspicious. It seemed like, so we re- we refinanced them, kicked them to the curb, probably a year or two later. You know, but again, you know, it's all about getting your chops. I mean, if you own a four unit building, you're a thousand times more viable than a guy that doesn't. You know, what I mean, that's the only difference. And suddenly, we could start talking with banks about commercial loans. And we knew a little bit about tenants and we knew a little bit about leases and we kind of knew a little bit about marketing enough Hmm. that maybe we were capable. So we just parlayed that into a 16 unit purchase. Yeah. I mean, we probably owned Holt road for a year and a half before we bought alpha street, the 16 unit. Well, we started looking because when we had this conversation about the duplexes, not, not the deals that didn't work. Yeah. 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 Then I like this hundred unit complex came up and I remember looking at it going, Oh, a hundred units cash flows. I think this would pass his uh financial <laughs> inspection. My little filters. Yeah. So I gotta make it past the spreadsheet. Uh-huh. Yeah, light bulb went off in my head like buy I think if I look for bigger units than just a two unit, I'll be able to get this passed I like the up. way you're thinking. You're like, I'll go bigger. So that's right. We yeah. started looking at bigger that's what got us started looking at bigger units. Is so I could get him to on board, <laughs> and, and she was right. Yeah, we looked at we were looking at a couple of them, and that were actually for sale. And then we were driving around, and we ended up driving in this little residential neighborhood. And at the end of that street, there was a church, and across the street from the church was a sixteen unit, which wasn't for sale. But um, Doug did a cold, cold call. call. Yeah, just the, we went back to the courthouse. You know, tried to figure out who owned the thing, who's on the deed. Called the guy up. He answers the phone. Hey, hi, uh, this is Doug Benson. I'm really interested in your 16 unit. Is it for sale? There's silence. And he goes, who is this? I mean, the guy's just angry. Doug like, Benson. I just who do you said. work for? And I, yeah, it was one of those, I'm nobody. I'm Doug Benson. I mean, trust me, you're going to have a hard time finding me. <laughs> but uh, make a long story. We ended up buying the building from the guy. The guy is an attorney. Uh, he has become one of my attorneys. We have done business together since. I mean, we're good, close friends. So that worked out really nice. The guy who represented me as a buyer agent in the deal is also another attorney of mine as well. So that was a 
that was the beginning of how powerful networking can be. But, you know, we stayed close to all these guys. And that's been a we, – we still own the four unit. We still own the six unit. I mean, we're not buying these to flip them and get rid of them. But uh, that was a that, – that, every single building we bought has had a unique mm-hmm. profile to it. You know what I mean? That one, that was the cold call. That was the – is it possible to just buy a building out of thin air? Yes, absolutely it is. I mean, when you start looking at apartment buildings, every one of them is for sale. Just because they don't have a for sale sign out in front of them doesn't mean they're not for sale. Absolutely. Uh, actually, Deb's uncle one time said to me, says, Doug, everything is for sale. Like, everything. Walk through my kitchen. If you see something, make an offer on it. And I, that opened my eyes. <laughs> that like, sounds yeah, like that's, a salesman. That's probably true. So, uh, yeah, so that's how we, we got that one, that Alpha Street. You know, we were talking on the way down, what would we have done different? And I think Alpha Street was, it was probably one of our greatest purchases because it because it got us into the commercial world of real estate compared to residential mortgages. I mean, now you're dealing with commercial mortgages, which is a entirely different conversation, but it also opened our eyes to what we didn't know. You know, Holt road, you're looking at a four unit Holt road used to be a boarding house. It was a four unit boarding house. It was already kind of set up to be four separate places to live, had little kitchens and bathrooms. Alpha street was no kidding. 16 apartments. Mm. And we didn't have the eyeballs for what does that mean? What do what are people looking for to live in an apartment? We've always been very sensitive to decent neighborhoods, so that I was comfortable with that we bought in a good neighborhood. That's always been a a big high priority issue for us. But we we didn't see kind of how grungy the units were, kind of how wore out they were, kind of how dated they you know all the all the things that won't appeal to people. Yeah, we only looked at one unit. We we just I think we were ignorant. We didn't have That's, uh so you only looked we didn't at have one skills. We only looked at one of the units. Yeah, yeah. The one that was the The one, only one that was open. One someone had just moved out of and we looked we looked at that one. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, didn't know any. Yeah. So the rest of them I take it were a little tired. Dated. Actually, they were, that was pretty representative of most of them. The okay. only issue we had was like shortly after we bought it we just had this funny story where the guy called us up and asked us if we would buy him some towels. Yeah, he wanted some towels. And we were like, like what? Towels aren't really part of our rental program, but a, <laughs> well, he had the toilet upstairs was leaking. His Above drywall his head. was hanging down and there was water leaking when he was sitting. Toilet water toilet. was dripping on his head. And he was only asking for towels and he was asking, to keep his floor dry. Yeah. So like after it hit his head and rolled down his chin and dripped onto the floor, <laughs> he wanted a tile or a towel. Yeah, it was. So, you yeah. we were like, something. how no. about we fix the ceiling? Yeah. And-, yeah. and that's when I first learned, you know, everything's supposed to work correctly. I mean, you probably should think to let a guy like me know that you want this to work correctly, but that's how he'd been living. You know, I mean, you can train people to tolerate abhorrent conditions. Yeah, I live in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I know how and, that goes. But the rest, the rest of them were pretty. Yeah. I think that was pretty representative of most of the, the units. The one that we saw. The right? one that we saw. Yeah. Yeah. So you bit off a little bit more than you could chew. I think so. Figure out how to chew it, basically. We had to figure out how to chew. Well, it's all the support. You know, where do you? Who does your flooring? And where are you going to get your carpet? And you know, you don't want to pay retail price for all these things. Uh, So it's just finding all of those resources that initially. I mean, you're talking 620 square foot unit that is seventeen hundred dollars to carpet. And we're suddenly starting to do the old, what's 16 times 1700? Yeah, that adds up pretty fast. And you, you, we're looking at each other like, <laughs> dear God, what have we done? Carpet. You know, we'll be down here selling pencils on the corners <laughs> so we can buy carpet. <laughs> 
We got a little smarter. It's a lot and, of pencils. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Dave Lindahl, who's a big apartment investor, we he he was high on our list because we're trying to gain a lot of knowledge too. You know, because I it's important to have as much as you can. We started reading up, you know, reading some of the stuff that he was teaching, and he was talking about generating cash through house flipping so you can build up or invest in your apartments. You know, so you can either buy apartments or make your existing partner. Yeah, because you need a substantial down payment usually, right? Well, yeah, and if they're kind of worn down, troubled units, you need some capital to make them nice. So that's kind of when we started the flipping business too. And the early years of our flipping business, almost all the money went into the apartments. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad it did because now our units are very nice. Our older units are very nice. You know, and of course the newer units that we bought, they're really nice. But the thing is, is that that is the difference. I mean, cause I don't have swimming pools and I don't have workout areas and I don't have hookah lounges and things that might attract people. Hookah lounges. All I could do is promise them. Yeah, yeah. All I can really do is just kind of offer them a nice, clean, safe place to live. And if if it's an inviting unit when you open the door, boy, that seems to always win. You know, that combined with a good neighborhood seems to be a real good recipe. So, um, But, yeah, the the whole image of, oh, you're an apartment owner, so now you must be a rich guy, that's fallacy. Yeah. I mean, it's fiction. Uh, We were very... Our first four or five years, you know, because we, we had Holt Road, we had Alpha, and then we started looking around at Dallas. Um, that's another 12-unit building. All our, Like I said, all our flip house money profits were going into making the apartments good. Once the apartments started to get nice and good and we started, then we could throttle rents, get decent people in there, then it became this really nice cycle. But yeah, early you on, to, you early on, struggle. Like mm-hmm. you had to turn the people and the units. Yes, right? yes, yeah. people exactly. and the units. Yeah, that takes time. Yeah, it does. It takes at least a good year to turn around a, a place, get it at the point you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And you're probably not making money during that time, right? Or maybe nope. just well, squeaking by. Not as much. Yeah, yeah, not as much. I mean, they're always cash flowing. I don't think we ever got in trouble with cash flow. But okay, when you have 16 units and your cash flow is maybe at the end of the year. Five thousand dollars. You're you're probably like, geez, am am I ever gonna make sense of this? Things are a lot better now. You know, I mean, it's just because that's we were rookies, didn't really recognize how much capital they needed put into them for improvement. And I think that's one of the things that we're now really good at. To be honest with you, I think we're good at turning bad buildings into good because we had to with Alpha. Not that it's a bad building; it just needs a lot of attention. We've learned an awful lot about how to get rid of bad guys, how to bring in good guys. You know, there's always a tipping point uh, where you have enough good guys that the other bad guys in the building don't even want to live there anymore. You know what I mean? So that helps us when we buy new buildings too. I mean, there's always a key couple and we know for every one of our building, who was that key couple or that key guy and girl or the key guy and guy or whatever that suddenly raised the bar of what behavior is going to be tolerated anymore in this building? Because tenants start to self-police when they start to like where they're living. And bad guys don't want to get noticed. And they always get noticed. They're the people that are dropping the French fry boxes out in the parking lot. They're the people that are being loud, you know, getting complaints. And they get they're, they fall under immediate scrutiny. And they don't like that. So they leave. Let's and so, talk about that. Because yeah. I like, so obviously you believe 
you want nice units and yes. if you have nice units, you're going to attract nice people, nice neighborhoods first, nice neighbor. Okay. Yeah. Good. Cause the thing is you, you have to convince people that it's okay to spend the night here. You know, that it's not a terrifying thing. And, you know, tell me in the marketplace, how many apartment people are, you know, single women, uh, women with children. I mean, that they're not all biker guys that, you know, don't care what the neighborhood's like. I don't know. Did I just hose on a whole bunch of biker guys? Maybe. 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 I don't think, uh, I think you're going to be okay. I don't okay, think they good. make up much of a, a listener. <laughs> the, the listening audience <laughs> yeah. might not be composed of the Hells and Angels. And right. dead, too bad. They need thick skin, right? <laughs> but, you know, anyone that's flipping houses knows, you know, if you're in a troubled neighborhood, it doesn't matter how beautiful the house is, you're probably going to struggle. So that's, Location, location, that's location, right. right? Yeah. Yep. So good neighborhood, make it a good unit, draw, and then you've got a good rationale to draw good people in. And so, uh, yeah. And go ahead. I'm sorry. I think I might interrupt. No, no, you, you're, but, you're yep. answering the question. Yep. Yeah. You're laying it out in a step-by-step process. Yep. So That's location, mm-hmm. do a good job on the unit. Now, obviously you can't pay retail when you're turning the unit, no. right? Nope. What were some of the tricks you guys learned or some of the ways, I mean, cause you can't, you, 1700 just for carpet times 16. That did, I mean, that's right. just, that that's make broken. any sense. Yep. Yeah. We end up, you know, you start, you start networking and you start establishing wholesale relationships. You start getting with the people in the trades and they always know, geez, you know, here's where I go to save a buck or two. And so you start going there to save a buck or two. Um, we started, I think the, the biggest cost saver we've had was, uh, we have kind of a different mindset about flooring now. We just, the only place we put carpet down now is in bedrooms. You know, everything else we do in, uh, vinyl. Um, you know, the vinyl looks like wood. Yeah, absolutely. Vinyl plank. Yeah. And that was actually a carpet guy that sort of turned us on to that idea. He said, oh, I love it. He says, but the only thing is you, you'll put me out of business if this is all you do because you put those in and they're in forever and they're maintenance zero and they look beautiful and people love them. And so, you know, and who would know that? You know, I mean, you, you don't know that if you're not engaged with having to figure out how to tune the engine to get your flooring prices down. Um, you know, paint is an important thing. Uh, you know, you're going to do probably eight gallons of paint for a 600 square foot unit. And what a five gallon buckets, what 120 bucks. And you know, the single paint, you know, so suddenly you're, you're $200 worth of paint just to, you know, turn a unit and you're going to be paying somebody three, four, $500. So suddenly you just kind of, you find where you can sever off a penny or two anywhere you can. And, uh, again, you work, I, we do all our work mostly with the big box stores in terms of materials and they're always open to the idea of discounts. Always. They'll won't tell you about it, but if you ask it or demand it of them, they usually acquiesce and really, how's oh, yeah. that conversation go? Like home Depot, by the way. It, yeah. It's like 81 right. units. <laughs> it's exactly. I got some buying power. Yeah. It's like, why in the world would I ever pay retail to you guys? I mean, don't you realize if you even spend a day with me, you're probably going to maybe increase your volume a little bit. When you're at the paint counter every other day, they tend to notice that you're at the paint <laughs> That's counter a good point every too. other day. And then they say like, oh, are you, you know, you start talking to them and maybe you should go say, talk this to the is commercial our program. Desk, yeah. 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 Um, so you can find things that way. It's just knowledge we didn't have when we started. Right. And that makes a big difference when you can start getting a few discounts, start finding who the good people are to do the work, which is... That's tough. Is, you know, we've been so, so blessed that we we really have had a couple of very, very good guys. Um, Excellent guys for maintenance guys. Yep. Trustworthy mm-hmm. and really great workers. And they just... 
have they made yeah. or break a business. Prior know, to these people. guys, though, I gotta admit, I mean, we were kind of one eight hundred handyman because you could have Doug and Debbie do it, but we'd take so long, you know, and we weren't pros at it. Now, I would say Deb has probably reached a point now where I don't believe there's painters that are as good as her, and I say that completely. I would, I if we wanted to open up a painting business, um. Lots because, of painters faster than me, though. Well, <laughs> I mean, we were going through painters like, you know, like Spinal Tap goes through drummers. I mean, it was like every time you turn around, you need another painter. But and I think it's just for that initial, when you first buy these places, it's like they've been they, so dinged They up, just need help. Yeah. Patched so badly. They just look so worn out that if you can just go through and spend a day or a day and a half patching, fixing all those holes and bulges in the wall and anything yeah, well, that doesn't look... You've seen a patched wall, right? Where oh, they, yeah. they yeah. glob a bunch of stuff on and then they paint over it. That wall always looks wounded and awful and terrible. It, it doesn't... Terrible. Yeah. I always yep. wonder why they do it. Because so, for a little bit more money, they could do it right. Well, yeah. you just said it. Well, I think a little bit more money, a little bit more time, and a little bit more knowledge. I, I think the easiest way is to glop it on, hope nobody notices, and move away. They notice. Yep. Everybody notices. And, yeah. and it just doesn't feel as nice. When the human eye, it. like just for whatever reason, it does. Boom! It it's just gets drawn pulled to, yep. right to it, mm-hmm. no matter how. I'm not looking. I'm like, oh, it's right there. Yes. And it yeah. sounds simple, but that's what you're fantastic at is seeing that and making those issues go away. So if we if we do those with a new building, you know, we'll go through two or three units at a time that are empty and kind of spend a little extra time and a little maybe a little extra money on the painting part of it. But then once you do that, if you pick good tenants, you're not having to do that. You know, you can pay have anybody paint it the next time and they'll do a good job. Yeah, our turns are really easy after we've gone through the building, you know, to get it to our spec. Then the turn's super easy. It's really just kind of washing. I was going to say, how often do you have to paint when you turn? I mean, is there an average? Or I know everyone's a little different, but... Well, we were just noticing the building. We bought a building out of bankruptcy, and that was probably the worst building that we bought the worst the building that was in the worst shape when we bought it we had to like make closets in the bedroom oh, they just had like yep. a piece of uh two by four with a rod on it. that was their closet well they, they had four by eight sheets of osb standing on their edge connected with a solid rod to the wall it's like some hillbilly that, shit, yeah right it's here. worse than hillbilly it just shit. wasn't any banjo playing you <laughs> now you tell me yeah so I fixed deli- it up real good for you deliverance music is playing in the background and you're wondering why is the city letting people letting this even be habitable but regardless yeah yeah that had passed all its city yeah. you know because people had all living their there didn't care probably right the, and they, they again they that's thought that's exactly yeah. but and they were the caliber of people that thought that's probably okay yep right and so that was the building that we did have to go through and put new cabinet. All you know, every unit had to have new kitchen cabinets, and every unit pretty much had to have new vanity. So we really went through and painted a new flooring, all of that. And I think we've only probably I don't even know if we've repainted an entire unit in that nope. building. It's a twelve-unit building. In how long has it been? Five years. Uh, we bought it in two thousand eleven, January of two thousand eleven. So, so it's we might five have years. painted like a wall or touched up, but. We touch up the trim, but we haven't had to repaint there. But we've had some pretty good tenants there because, you know, it's it's got the wood laminate floors and the brand new kitchen cabinets and black appliances and people like brand it. new so counters and lights there. and windows and it is. I think uh, I think the more decent tenants are probably a more gentle tenant as well. Um, it just makes it less expensive for us to have better people. So so let's talk about getting rid of those bad people, right? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. 
You buy you buy an apartment. Sure. It's obviously not in necessarily the best shape or right. being managed right. well, right? Yep. You kind of right. usually they're managed terribly. Yeah, then yep. that's kind of like your little niche that you figure out. Yep. I was like, okay, I'm gonna take this ugly, poorly managed thing. Right. I'm gonna make it pretty and manage it well and get good people. Um, after you start turning the units, what is your qualification process? I know oh, here's what it. we do: the first day that our name is on the deed. We did this with the last building we bought. Actually, we did this with the last two buildings we bought. We bought a 20-unit and a 17-unit. The day of closing, we had already had packets prepared with a new lease, new letter introducing who we are, kind of like I'm your new sheriff. I was going to say. And and here's all your rules, and we introduce ourselves to everybody. We hand them the packet. We explain what we're all about and that, you know, Yesterday is no longer here. It's now today, and here's how we're going to live, and here's how we're going to behave. We allow anybody who wants to to leave. You know, we don't try to hold people to it, and that's usually a pretty easy conversation anyway because these guys are typically always on month-to-month leases. You know, usually you don't have to honor any leases where they're going to give you some grief about, no, you know, you can't get rid of me. I'm going to stay. But the point is, again, when chaos is introduced to order, there's a new pressure. And some people don't like that new pressure. And so that's we do that for two reasons. First of all, so we get the Esker lease in front of everybody. Because honestly, we like our leases better than everybody else's. It's just they've been developed and grown over the last 12 years. They, they're they kind of comprehensive and they're good and they work for us. And probably you had to pay and made the mistakes and, you know. Yep. That was not some lease you pulled off the internet. It's no, life no. experience, it's, right? It's exactly. grown and full yeah. of experience. Yeah. That's there's, right. Usually the kind that are expensive too. There's a memorable tenant behind every clause. Behind yeah. every clause. <laughs> oh God. Remember Sarah and her car. Yeah. I mean it's like you're exactly right. I gotta put something in here. So they so they, just right away, day one. Day one. Boom. Yep. Here we go. Yep. Smile, mm-hmm. handshake. And, and right. And trying to introduce yourself to them because obviously they're often apprehensive at that point too. They don't know what's going on. So I think you're establishing some good relationship with them to let them know these are our rules. Like this is what we are and are not going to change. And they always see, yeah. and they got to know where to call because when you first get there, they, they know something's amiss and yep. they're a little apprehensive about what's going on. So I think it just, and that's a good point. I'm making day one seem like it's a strong arm thing. It, it's it's not only that, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you, some of these tenants are all, they're decent people and they're just kind of, they don't know what to do, you know, because the last 43 times they've called about the leaking toilet, it's still leaking. Yeah. You know, and so I got to win them over that we do really good maintenance. I mean, we do same day, next day maintenance. Um, anyway, make a long story short, Door to door, every door, knock on it, introduce ourselves, give them the pamphlet, you know, give them the pamphlet, give them a packlet, little elevator speech for them and answer every phone call that comes in and, and please beg them to call us if there's anything not right, because I want to win over their trust that I'm not just talking. Yeah. Cause anybody gets to talk. And eventually they're used to talk. I'm sure they were used told to they talk. were going to fix that That's right. so many times. That's so. right. You need an opportunity to prove yourself. Yep. Right. Call. Let me prove mm-hmm. myself. Yep. And and I think we do. Okay. So that's day. That's the day one theory, right? Okay. The very last building we bought. Remember day one. Oh. The we bought a building off a family that the father had built the building, so he had actually built it and gave it to his son, and his son looked after the building. Okay. So that that's like sixty years of this building has been like a sibling in the family. Well, the son is now near retirement age and he wants to, okay, enough, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of being a landlord. I'm going to sell this building. 
And actually, it was in the same neighborhood of our first house we ever bought. So it's a nice, quiet, gentle neighborhood. And we'd walk by that building a hundred times when we were super young, walking around the neighborhood. We'd see it. And it's a beautiful building. And uh, day one, the guy had never before shut off the utilities or, or transferred the utilities. So when he gave directions to the water department and to the electrical people, it wasn't, I'm going to sell the building. It was turn off the water, turn off the electricity. Oh, jeez. So, so we're you know closing. Yeah. Yeah. So before we're closing. Yeah. It's before closing. I'm getting all these people are calling me on my phone. I thought, well, it must have been a very effective marketing <laughs> campaign that I'm doing to get more tenants. Well, it they'll, was. They'll just have to wait. Doug yeah. is an optimist. Yeah. And, and we're in the restaurant afterwards celebrating our closing of this great place. And the phone's still blown off the hook. So we get home later, a couple hours later. I'm listening to him. I was like, great first day. It's some very angry woman it says, First, I discovered this morning my building is being owned by someone else, and then my water is off. I'm like, your water's off? What in the world? And I'm looking at Deb like, how could that have happened? Then every phone call is, I was taking a shower. The water got shut off. Hey, my toilet flushed, but it doesn't refill. I mean, yeah, some some guy stood out in the middle of the street with his water off and on little twisted tool, Staring at a 17-unit apartment building. And turned it off. And shut off the water. Yeah. Because the piece of paper told me to shut off the water. So they'd shut off the water, and they'd shut off the electrical to the building. Now, each tenant has their own electrical circuit, so they had their own individual electricity, but none of the common areas were up. Which means also the electrical water heater, which has a safety feature that it cannot be turned back on unless you visit it personally, so once we did get the water back up, and I'll thank my wonderful wife for talking the city into showing back up again to turn the same water on that they'd shut off earlier that day, which if anyone's ever worked with the municipality knows that's, that's not, not a casual easy. thing to do. No. They don't care at all. Right. Yep. So th- yeah. the water's now Good running. Job. I told them I, my life was going to be threatened down yeah, here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so the water's back up and running, but now it's ice cold because the water heater's not on. So anyway, we finally got through that, but boy, we look like mustard heads. I mean... We we had to have looked like the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Well, like you can't explain that it isn't your fault when you were. The yeah, they're owner. not going to. Nobody wants you. to hear that. Yeah, yeah. You signed the papers and. Oh, that lady saying somebody else owns my building. I'm like, lady, it's not your building. Well, I had one woman. I in, didn't see your name on the mortgage. I didn't see it on the deed. Uh, I had one woman in a bucket full of tears, going, you know, she's weeping and crying, and she says, "Well, this feels like." My parents just got a divorce, and you're this new bastard stepdad that I have to learn to love. And I don't love you. And I, I'm like, I just met you 20 seconds ago. I mean, I'm knocking at your I'm door. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. It's like, besides trust. Besides the water yeah, thing. Yeah. Besides sorry. the water and the electrical thing. And, and, and <laughs> I said, kind of laughingly, and we're going to set fire to something later tonight, you know, just yeah. to kind of hit the trifecta. But yeah, that was, a, that was a tough day. But after that, it's been great. It has been great. Um, again, we discovered now that that poor guy, he said a key thing to me that should have registered stronger. He said, you know, he said, you know, it's a strange life when you realize that all your tenants are at your Thanksgiving day table. And as we started meeting the tenants, we realized, yeah, they're his college buddies, they're his kids, they're his neighbors from when he was a child. It's all people that kind of run across this guy that needed a place to live were his tenants nobody had a lease. Yeah. I mean, nothing was documented because it was all friendship thing going on. 
So that's been a different kind of that's taking a, over a new building than what we're used to, which is, you know, these guys were really well cared for. Um, they were friends with the landlord and had lived there for many, many years. The other buildings that we've had, it just, you know, we realized that some of these tenants we probably weren't going to keep. And we just kind of go through and decide where we start. And, you know, usually some of them are already empty. Yeah. I think yep. Well, two or three of the 12 that are empty, and we just start with those and uh, make those nice and put good nice, people into them. Yep. That's a tough situation. So, every one of them had like a personal relationship with the seller oh, for years. With this couple him, his dad, his from, kids. Yeah. Probably some of the yep. nicest people you'll they were, ever though. meet. They really were. Well, he and his wife were crying at closing. Like, they felt like we, you know, like they're turning one of their kids into the orphanage or something. His dad built it and, you know, but they were just those kind of people though. Anyway, I just think they were just very, very nice. That building meant a lot to them. If you're going to be a landlord, I, that's. You need a little bit of that. You, you need to be able to set the rules and follow the rules or else you're really going to make yourself miserable. I think. Well, what I really liked was their, their relationship with that building is what I try to have with all my buildings. I mean, I try to, you know, they had a pride in that building that kept the building especially nice and kept the tenants especially closely looked after. That was a well-loved building. Yeah, it was. You know, yep. They spent time there. And- yep. But poor guy didn't know how to <laughs> transfer utilities. That's dealing all. with the tenants, there's different parts about uh, owning a building, and part of it is right. the physical care of it, and the other part managing people and... Well, and, you know, getting in place sort of the things that you now use to sort of drive your business, which is a documented lease, you know, a clear understanding of... Yeah, leases are a good thing. Leases are a very important thing. And, you know, there's a lot of theories about month to month versus... I'm not here to say one's different than another. All my leases are annual leases. I'm not a big fan of the month to month. Regardless, though, I mean, when, when people aren't actually... On a lease, that it makes for a difficult conversation. So we put every single person on a lease. Um, we kept everybody the same rents. And that's another thing we find, too, is that it's very easy to rent a 900-square-foot two-bedroom unit for $575 a month with no deposit. It's just anybody yeah. can look like a marketing genius if yeah. they just say, no come deposit. on, come on. Yeah, and all Way you got to do is, is breathe. you know. Yeah. And when you get tenants like that, that's what makes it difficult because – the market rates for these buildings are probably about right where we have them. We're, we're asking about six seventy a month for these two bedrooms. So for virtually ninety five percent of the building, they are a hundred dollars less than what the market's looking for. A hundred dollars a month less. Well, you can't do that on the first day. No. You know you'll you'll cause riot and chaos and grief and fear and loathing. So what we do is we just. Let them know what's coming. You have to be honest with them. I mean, every letter that we put out to these people say, look, here's what market rates are. Here's where you're at. You have to expect a rent increase in the near future just to get them mentally prepared so it doesn't shock them. How long do you give them? Like six months? uh, We're starting to put new leases in front of people that are from this last building, the water building. And... We did our first big, huge bump from, oh my God, you're paying 500 a month for a two-bedroom unit to up to six and a quarter. And we did that three times and all three people signed the lease to stay. So that was nice. Well, yeah, because if you're going to pay market rent anyway, you're going to have to move and then go pay market rent yeah, somewhere. So I'm going to keep them at below market. And we're but, trying to do things like, you know, yes. some people have asked for, 
you know, have their carpet restretched, or maybe we can go in and paint a couple of rooms yeah, for something. them. I yep. mean, I think if they've been a there a long time, that's absolutely too, right? worth the while yeah. for us to do that for them. Yep. But say that building really does have some. So nice you're kind of getting a commitment too. You're like, look, I'm going to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to improve some stuff. Absolutely, and it's not free. That's and right. It goes both ways. I'm and, gonna do some and stuff. You're going to give me. Believe some it or stuff. not, this really is a business. It isn't that I love you guys so much because I don't know you that well. You know, and you none of you are going to ever be at Thanksgiving table with me. <laughs> well, but I'm going to be. Oh, maybe they'll maybe. learn that. But yeah. I want to leave them with the impression that I'm the best property manager guy they're ever going to run across. Only so they start yakking it up, and because the the great thing is if people go. You know, Doug and Deb are really kind of rocking. You know, I mean, it's been a good life. The building's always clean. The My unit's good. Anytime I have an issue. I mean, that's a differentiator in our business because there's so many places where it doesn't matter what you need fixed. It never gets fixed. It doesn't matter what the issues are. They never get cured. And suddenly you get that out in the ether a little bit, get the universe sort of going on your side. Word gets around. Your advertising rates go to nothing. Your marketing is just, hey, you know, you get people giving you names of friends. And so you kind of got that good filter already in place for who your next tenants are. It's, That's like it's playing a, the long game, though, yep, too, right? It is the long game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're long thinking game. longer than quarters. Absolutely. You're thinking like yep. years and decades. Yep. Keeping you know, those costs low. So you're thinking about marketing costs while you're doing this. Absolutely. Yeah. Deb ran across a good saying, or maybe you invented it, where you're saying, you know, I'd sooner have an empty unit than one with a ding bat in it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. that. Was my own personal. Yeah. No, that's true. I, I mean, I don't think, yeah, ding bat might have been mine. I don't know if you said ding bat. That, that's but nicer than I would have said. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it might have been jackass, but I, I don't know what it's exactly. still nicer than yeah. I would have said. I've turned some units in Detroit that I'm like foaming at the mouth. Yep. Like but, you got kids in here, mm-hmm. like come on, come on, lady, get a get a grip. Yeah. But how many people do you run across that go? My tenants are making me crazy, and, never, and it's just sort of, well, they're you. You chose them, you know. What I mean that you selected these people, so either step up your game and select better, or maybe this isn't a game you should be playing. But we've discovered that uh, again, don't make the wrong choice because everybody's going to come with the money. Everybody's got money. I mean, not like they've all got a lot of money, but there's a ton of people that shouldn't be living in your building that have enough money to move into your building. And if they come with their car full of all their belongings and a fistful of money, then you really have to be getting <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything's in uh, uh, Meyer's bags. Everything's in the back seat. Bags. And, <laughs> yeah. and they're waving money in your face going, yeah. I got cash. I'm, I'm, all like, set. I'm, all I'm set. good. I'm good, actually. We just filled the unit yesterday. Yeah. Well, no, you need to fill out this paper first. Good tenants are everything. I mean, and, and, and from they, the, they are, they are, they, they are and they're out there. You know, people are looking for someone to provide, to be in a nice, safe, clean place. There are, it's surprising how many people say they just can't even find a place that's clean. Yes. And, have you ever looked at apartments? I mean, and you guys have, and my wife and I, before we moved to Detroit, looking at apartments, it's, it's, it's a pain in the ass, quite frankly. And Every building we've looked at has been just, so compromised that it yeah. just, inspires me dear god before i bought it this building was my competition like suddenly i feel like i just went four rungs up on the ladder of doing it right so yeah i know yes you're right and i don't know i i I know that we probably i've had a lot of people that tell me that we are probably improving our units maybe too much i know sam has said that um he's a kind of a a mini partner mentor of ours uh, back up there but 
he's at 75% occupancy and I'm at like 98 yeah. with good, decent people. So I don't think it's an accident that Josh Sterling, who now has, I think, I don't know, a shit ton of units, hundreds of units, mm-hmm. um, Jesse Boyd, um, 50 plus units. Yeah. 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 And they all do the same thing. They, they get top of the mark. They, they, they could get top of the market rent. They slightly under rent. That's right. They get the best person they can and they put an amazing rehab in. Over deliver. Yeah, yeah. And they just have no problems. It's the same thing where you hear about all my fucking stories about Detroit. Like I figured out that carpet thing the hard way with section eight. Like, oh, I just can't afford to keep turning carpet, mm-hmm. hardwood floors, carpet in the bedrooms. That's yep. I, yeah. Just get burned on it. It gets expensive, and you're right. It doesn't improve your attitude towards towards tenants either. That's it does right. seem like a smarter way to go, especially over the long run. You're right. Not the first five years, not the first because it's a right. lot to tear it all out and then put new trim in it. So it is a little more of an. It's a big investment. investment. It is. Yeah. But I kind of like I when initially that vinyl laminate came out i thought it looked terrible the it did. initial stuff they came out on the market with looked so cheap and i gotta admit, i was surprised i was actually looking for hardware for a flip house and i picked something out and the guy goes that that's vinyl and i was like that's vinyl and Hell yeah, that's that vinyl. made me start thinking about it again now i'm gonna put it in yeah it's like that looks great yep yeah i like how you said that too because that's something man i, I just want to I'm still young and impatient, right? But I was, I believe it or not, younger and dumber. I know it's hard to believe, right? I was so yeah. impatient, like just thinking beyond the quarter was like, what if I need a whole year. It's like, hard, whole year, and now mm-hmm. to realize, no, no, you really need to be thinking in like quarter centuries. Like, what am I going to be doing at this age, and what am I going to need for this? Or at least five years. I what think. are my right. children going to need? Exactly. Like, like really, like thinking, it's a difficult thing to do, especially with money. Yep. For some reason, I don't know why. When you, it's like money and sex makes at least for me makes it makes me way dumber. Like oh, like all the emotions start going, and it becomes really difficult to make a good decision. And that's one of the things I like about being older too. At least as a male, like you get to put some of that more control comes in, and life gets a lot less dangerous. You know. I agree. I had a guy tell me that I'm unlike any investor he's ever met because he could tell the age of my cars. He says, with what you own, he says, I've seen guys that own half of what you have, and they all of them are in a Lexus by now. They're all of them in a Mercedes by now. And in two more years, they're all of them going to be in deep trouble. And I, I just think that kind of, you know, we're frugal by nature, but I think that, again, you see people where they close on an apartment deal, and the first thing they do is they go out and buy something for themselves. These these things are not free. I mean, these no. things cost a dime or two to to get the deal working and to get it rolling. And yeah, it and that's a, that it can. You're exactly right. It can be crippling if you looked at it really tactical. It was. You really have to look at it strategically. And that was the death of my first yep. business. Not mm-hmm. thinking beyond. Yep. I'm going to be charitable and give myself a year, but I think it literally was like months. Like, yeah, just leave, leave yep. done. You know, like that's not a that's not a recipe for success. No, that's true. And at least it seems like younger, there's some people that, I mean, Jesse and Josh are pretty young. and Absolutely. Yeah, they are. Yep. They, they're thinking one of the reasons why they're doing so well is they can exhibit, they can put that behavior, the thinking that comes at mid-30s, 40s, 50s now in their 20s. And I remember the first time I them. met Jesse, I, I just knew that he was going to be so okay. Yeah, yeah, you could just tell. I mean, 
profoundly uh, well-based guy. You know, he just he doesn't. He has a good temperament. Yeah, he does the correct you temperament. Can tell he's going to be successful. And I think he had an advantage because he was his own entrepreneur. You know, kind of running his own business earlier, so he knew there's an expense side practice to life. You yeah. know, and I mean, it's with apartments, people just look at ooh the number of rents times number of units, and boy, look at all that income. Man, you're writing you're writing ninety to ninety five percent of that out as expenses the first few months, or a hundred percent of that revenue out as expenses the first few months. So, if you don't have some type of discipline about you, some kind of fiscal discipline, you're going to get in some trouble. I don't know. Yeah, Jess, a good egg. Hey, Jess, I, I haven't seen him in a while, but <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. Well, these patterns, I what like what is this? I don't know. I think this is like interview number forty. You do enough of these, you start. It's one of the reasons why I'm doing this too. You you start to see patterns Rhythms, emerge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not every, everybody does. Most people don't do even half of it the same. But you start to see the things they do the same, and it's it's difficult to ignore. I want to come back to the idea because I like the idea. You anchor tenants. Mm-hmm. You were mentioning earlier yeah. about how when you know you finally like you, it's a couple or someone doesn't matter who it is right. go and you know like okay this is where the building breaks yeah. and it goes yep. the other direction. Let's talk. We call about them tipping point tenants, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. I called them anchor tenants. No, that's but... all right. That, that I like that word. Too. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like the idea. How do you, how do you find your tenants? How do you turn these bad tenants out? How do you turn? I know it's, you can talk for thirty minutes as far as I can. Okay. This is very interesting to me. So. I think for us, tenant finding really is. Um, I mean, I, I realize I get a lot of inquiries now off of the Zillow network, which is interesting to me. I, I keep thinking Zillow is only for houses, but we, we put um, our buildings into a thing called Rent Links, um, which is just a, it's a website and you get to load it up, excuse me, with pictures and text about your buildings and, you know, rental rates and stuff like that. And Rent Links disperses all that data down through the internet. Boom. So that's how you kind of get online. Uh, locally, we run ads in Craigslist um, that point to our website. Our website has video and pictures and an online application. That's yeah, very nice. With a uh, single socket layer security, so people can enter, you know, social security numbers and driver's license numbers, and not fear that uh, you know ISIS or bad guys are stealing <laughs> the data. Uncle Sam. There you go, or Uncle, or the NSA. Yeah. And right by now, there's also, I mean, because we've been doing this now for a few years, there's quite a bit of word of mouth. We're getting an awful lot of my uncle lived here and told me about this place, or. Our friends live up in number five. We want to live in the building somehow. Here's our phone number. Please let us know when you have a vacancy. That's so, a very patient strategy, too, yep. by the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm starting to admire patience, the older I get. Yeah. You know, I, need, I need a lot of it. That's why. Well, <laughs> this is a human business. I mean, you could get ignited every day if you wanted to. You know, I mean, we, we were just talking about, we've had an interesting day already that I'm not going to tell you about, <laughs> but it's kind of like, Geez, this lady's been living in this unit for four months, and already every bifold door is broken, and I oh have to. Re- it's it's kind of, and she's complaining because the bifolds don't work. And anyway, see, I'm already talking about it. I wasn't going to, but if if you decide <laughs> that that's going to be what ruins your day, you're kind of done for the day. So you need a little bit different mindset because it's human beings. But if you can get through that, um, and and get to the good ones, get to the good folks that are going to be. Proud that they live there, proud of what you're doing for them, and you know, able to sort of look after the building for you. You get a bunch of little uh, on the field coaches, and again, we I don't know that we're excellent yet at finding where these people tend to congregate. You know, that's the one thing that um, 
uh, Marcus Law used to all the time talk about is, well, where are your clients at? Like physically, where are they at? What are they doing? How, how can you, you know, have that most effective communication happen? Because I think now we're still kind of shotgunning a little bit. Like I said, our business or our buildings have a little bit of a reputation where we're getting good tenants from referrals from existing tenants. But um, right now we're still kind of putting it out there into the universe that, that we have buildings. What we're trying to do more is we're going to change our marketing a little bit because I think Esker Properties now is maybe has a little bit of a brand, a maybe. brand equity A little bit, up, yeah. You know? Such that we can say, you know, we're, we we think we're good people. We try to be good people. We I dare you to ask any of our tenants if we are. We do good property management. We have good buildings. Uh, here's some of our buildings. Instead of currently, hey, I've got a building here that has a vacancy, maybe you put out, I've got a nice company. We look after nice buildings. Are you interested? You know, maybe kind of change that dynamic. But right now we're finding good tenants uh, through the old-fashioned way, you know, Craigslist and uh, online presence and, you know, just sort of filtering folks that way. It's kind of like when you have a good boss, you don't really care what your job is. Yep. Kind of the same thing. If you have a good landlord, like, okay, I'll look at some units. I'm maybe not perfect, but. Mm-hmm. We uh, do have people that will change from, from a one-bedroom to a two-bedroom or, you know. Keep it in the family. We have a lot of people that, that's and that's 100% why we bought that 20-unit building. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had the 16 one-bedroom units. If anybody added a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a llama or whatever, a kid, out. suddenly they're like, do you have any two-bedrooms on the south side? Nope. Goodbye. You know, I mean, it was that easy. So when Elmhurst became available, Elmhurst is probably 300 feet to the east of Alpha Street. Elmhurst is a big whopping 20-unit building, and every unit in there but one is a two-bedroom unit. And we have put we've put two people from Alpha into Elmhurst. I'm now having people downsize from Elmhurst into Alpha. So that's a pretty cool feed. Easier and to keep that, a customer than the final new one, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So right. yeah, that was that worked out exactly like we wanted it to. But I think the ones that we've had to start from scratch, like um, the Waverly building, Waverly, thing, yeah. There's like there's three or four empty units, and we just totally rehab those. And probably the first three or four tenants we put in there are probably going to be some kind of transitional people because they're willing to come to a building that's not a, a compromise. Yeah, yeah it's it's still a, a compromise. There's a little bit yep. of a compromise because there's still other tenants that probably aren't meeting that grade yet. And it probably is the second four or five people that we get that you can yeah. start to see the buildings transitioning yep. into a nicer place and it's staying cleaner and it's looking nicer. And and then by the time you get to the you know those last four they're kind of trickling but we're able to get yep the good tenants no you're exactly right and again uh good tenants are everywhere you you, somehow you have to let them know that you're here as well um on the same side of that coin bad tenants are everywhere too and it's sort of that becomes i don't want to say it's an art because it isn't just gut feel i mean there's mechanical things to look for to try to determine who's good and who's not you can't always get your arm completely around them. What I'm finding is a lot of good tenants with some pretty compromised family. And so it's the family dropping by that ends up staying or living or the family dropping by that ends up causing the tenant to party maybe and be loud and noise. I mean, it just seems like you you don't get to look at that second tier of influencers in their life. You know, that's, that's the tough. Yeah. Bring your family and I want to interview everybody. Well, yeah. Bring every (laughs) single person you ever met who's liable to ever drop by and all your family. It it just becomes impossible to do. Right. So that's, that's the, uh, 
we wrestle with that a little bit because you think, geez, there must be some symptom that you can see. But, yeah, I mean, there's just so much that you can do, uh, so much digging you can do. I don't want to hire a private eye to dig into these people for six months before I offer them a place. So, But that's that's probably the obvious correct way to do it. And yet it's so incorrect it'll never work. So, But good tenants, I mean, I, I certainly don't have the market cornered on good tenants. I like that we put an income burden on people. We warn them early, no criminal record. We tell them, I got to see some good rental history. And the thing we've been doing now for about two or three years is, and absolutely you cannot be a smoker. That has saved us so much in expense. Yeah. And and I will just say it. Non-smoking people tend to, and I'm going to say tend to because I'm not trying to offend anybody, they tend to just live a little bit cleaner than smokers. They, they just themselves, their own lifestyle is a little bit cleaner, healthier than a smoker. And uh, I feel like we're a little bit higher. That's not surprising at well, all. Well, yeah. yeah. when you walk into these buildings where anybody can smoke and everybody smokes and you walk inside and the carpet on the floor is burned and you walk into a, a, and there's burns all along the cabinets and all along the countertops and there's burns on the windowsills and you just like the whole building's ready to ignite and the smell is awful and the turnovers are just, when you can eliminate all that, it's a, all happiness just fills you up. So, yeah, I used to smoke and I never did anything like that, but I can see how cleaner, how much cleaner I am now, how yeah. much more I care about my appearance. That's right. I, I, these things are not accidents. That's right. Uh, I know it's a gross generalization, but it is. Not hurt over. It is. It is. We, we have a Too couple bad, of people that you know? have been long, long-term tenants that we actually both of them came with the buildings that we bought. Exceptions are allowed. Exceptions are allowed, but they, special, I think they are the exception. Right. Yeah. Yep. If you're listening to this and you're all butt hurt, don't worry. You're the special snowflake. It doesn't apply to. You. <laughs> there you go. You're the exception to the rule. Right? Just yep. pat yourself on the back. Yep. Yep. And quit smoking anyway. But it's, it's terrible. It saves for you. me because I don't know who's doing this. Smoking, but it's very frustrating to put all those new finishes in and then come in and have. Oh, when you quit smoking too, by the way, you realize what an asshole you really were too. You're like, uh, oh, I well, smelled like the, that. I went like that. I looked like you're just plus, uh, the casual nature that they just flip butts. I never did that, but I hate that too. You, you, yes. I still see them flying out of cars today. That and the thing is, nuts. when you're in an apartment, you, you'd see them arcing out over the ledge, landing in the middle of the parking lot. And eventually you do that for a year and you've got lot. this whole debris field of butts all over the place. That that doesn't appeal even to, to anyone. smokers. Yeah, to even anyone. smokers don't think that looks. Yeah, cool. I was a clean smoker. Yep, clean. Yep, not still not as clean as a non-smoker, <laughs> but and that stuff annoyed me. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the four hurdles we ask uh, for people before you're even thinking of fill out an application. Please know, you know, that we're pretty tough on smokers, and we've had some incredibly unreal conversations with people about this smoking. You know, I mean, we we rented to one couple on a Friday evening. I was walking through the parking lot on Monday, so it's three days later, and the guy's out on the balcony, and he's smoking. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Doug, good to see you. I go, what are you doing? Well, I'm just out here having a a little taste. Well, he's smoking a joint. And I said, you signed a lease that said there's no smoking. Well, I'm outside, and besides, this isn't a cigarette, and I got my medical marijuana card. Whoa, 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 you know, back it up, pal. Yeah. You're smoking. Yeah. You sign something that said you don't smoke on the premises in the building. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? (laughs) So they were gone by Wednesday. It's like, I mean, 
and they knew that it wouldn't be worth it to try to fight that because they both signed the no smoking in the building yeah. on the property. On, you know, well, and they could have lost. I thought you were very fair to just say, "I will give you your money back if you get out by you know right in two days." Yeah, like yeah. So that, technically, we had to put that thing back on the market and wait, and uh, we could have kept there legally. So it just worked out best for everybody. Just to yeah, but you know, I mean, I can't get in the way of people using medical marijuana, but I absolutely can get in the way of them igniting it. Yeah, and or, that's or go do it somewhere else. That's right, not or on this property. Yep. anywhere. Yep, right. so, not in your car. Go to your friend's house. And I think something. a lot of people yeah. find that to be a difficulty. The Just the smell of marijuana in the building. It's not pleasant at all. It's no. not pleasant. and um, It speaks, I think also it speaks to that there's kind of a loose attitude going on in the building. Like it's an anything goes. It's like it's a party building. And I'm not looking for that in my buildings. I want no. my buildings to be these boring, almost like an old folks <laughs> home, you know? Yeah. Boring well places, kept. yeah, where where people show up as sort of they're just um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I'm low on vocabulary, but it's where people show up to just sort straight of straight as an arrow. Call yeah. at the end of a day. I'm just going to relax now. I'm going to go to work the next day. I mean, when they come home and it's dope smell piping all through the building and it's loud, noisy stuff, I don't think that's relaxing. I don't think that's like an oasis that people maybe I believe are looking for a place to live. So, yeah. Marijuana has become a pretty interesting conversation. A lot of people ha- do have confusion over their, they've been allowed by their doctor to be a medical marijuana user. So that is not smoking a cigarette, which they try to interpret what smoking is. They, they so, were trying to get you on a technicality. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. They, so they we're adding that smoking. to the least. That's no right. Smoking yep. anywhere. Yeah. Or and anything. <laughs> anything. Grass, marijuana, marijuana. cloves, whatever yep. else you could imagine. That's right. Oregano, whatever <laughs> That's it is <right>. you smoke. <laughs> you can go do it somewhere else. Just not. But you have to be very clear about it. Yeah, you do. Emotional support animals is another one that's reared its head one or two times. Uh, Both times the tenants back down, but you know someone's going to pull that on us, and I don't know exactly. You know I'm an animal person, but I cannot stand that shit. I cannot stand it. It drives me nuts. Take your crutch somewhere else. Hey, you really need it? That's fine. I have not met a legitimate use yet. I'm sure it exists of. A support animal. They're going to get wiser and they're going to, I mean, it just kind of gird your loins and be ready to have yeah. to get in the way of that. So anyway, it's, it's not huge in our life, yeah, but we've we had two of them. The Hurt yep. Feelings Brigade will get some laws yeah, passed you. and like, you hurt their feelings, so <laughs> you have to, you know, not your precious feelings. Yeah, I know. I mean, if you could guarantee me that emotional support animal, that the animal fit in on the categories of animals I allow in my building. Then I'm fine, but I'm pretty sure that eventually I'm going to be dealing with grizzlies and yes. oxen and Why you know can't I have an livestock. Yeah, that's right. It understands so. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's there for <laughs> See me. What happens? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Anyway, just as long as you're eating before you breed. Generally, yep. I'm okay with that. But unfortunately, <laughs> mammals can breed so young; it rarely there happens. There you go. You know. So, this, w- give me some examples of you call it tipping point. Yep. Tenants. Right, anchor tenants, whatever, when you know you've turned. Yes. Um, They are, I mean, we try to have all our tenants be W-2 tenants, and that's only, again, that's that longer-term view. If you ever have to collect from them, if they're not a W-2 person, it's hard to garnish wages. right. You're thinking way in the future. Yep. So we we like seeing W-2 tenants, and it seems to go hand-in-hand with these tipping point-type tenants. They're normally, they're working, uh, they're decent people, they're of any age. They always have an upset landlord that they're leaving 
because they're leaving. So that's usually a key, like, whoa, these were one of my really good tenants. They're really, they're leaving. Like, you can't believe that they're leaving. That's another kind of a an indicator of a tipping point tenant. They, I think they hold the landlords to a little bit higher bar, possibly. And I try to never disappoint them. And I will tell you this, they, they start, it's like uh, air freshener. They just kind of, wherever they land in the building, that part of the building gets to be a little bit quieter, a little bit cleaner, a little bit more under control. They themselves pick up stuff that, you know, as they're walking through the parking lot and they see I a Seven Eleven cup, yeah. they might pick it up. You know, they take an extra effort to, you know, maybe if there's some guy and he's parking his car crooked, they're comfortable to say, hey, let's keep it in the yellow lines. You know, you're kind of getting in my spot a little bit. And and they they feel like they, I don't want to say like they deserve it, but they're comfortable in challenging an ownership position, maybe they're taking yes. responsibility yep. for the building, right? I think that's it. Yeah. yeah, and you can always kind of tell or their people. environment. I should say, yep. they're taking responsibility yeah. of their environment. Right. Yeah. It's important to them that that they're in a good environment. And uh, there's, you know, I I clearly remember who that was at Waverly. I clearly remember who that was at Elmhurst. Um, I think we had a bunch of good people already in Allen Avenue, the last building that we bought. They just weren't paying enough by any stretch of the imagination, but. They're there. They're out there, and they're they're a fundamental part of success, I believe, in terms of good tenants because they start setting a tone for the building. That was going to be my next question because yep. you talk about you get enough of these people, and then the bad people just like flee. Oh, they don't want anything to do with that building. Give me some examples of that because I like the idea of that. Um, but I just I'm trying to imagine situations. A, a so. tipping point tenant will have no problem whatsoever knocking on your door if you're noisy, and they themselves will knock on your door. And I don't know if you've ever hung out with bad guys, but they're not real good at close contact. No, it never goes well. Yeah, either. they they just they're either they get immediately blustery to end the the moment, or they yeah whatever they look at their feet or they they just they can't tolerate that they've been noticed. And and if we're there rehabbing, there's usually a lot of our presence there frequently every day almost people are there and some of those people just don't like that and a couple of them will just move out immediately yeah saying, i mean they'll move out because wow. we're tipping point owners right just I mean, because there's people there they know what's coming picking up the trash that they can yeah that was a surprise to me because i thought they're gonna see us making this unit so nice and they're gonna want to <laughs> stay there's a percentage of people people choose those type of buildings for they're trying a to hide they're trying to blend they do in not yeah want they don't want somebody out. there caring for everything right. every day they don't want housekeepers there you know cleaning up the hallways so yeah no that that's exactly right housekeepers scare the daylights out of these guys because again it's another eyes and ears of the owners and they just think they, they're so used to being able to be cloistered and kind of removed from scrutiny so, so uh, there will be some yep. some percentage of them that will just yep. leave immediately, and it's like a secrecy thing or something. It's kind of strange, right? They're like trying to hide, I guess, behavior or I think something. so. Yeah. I think so. Trying to lay low, you know, yeah. under the radar, don't get noticed. And we are horrifically effective at noticing anything that we don't like. And I will immediately point it out, you know, like just because I think I have this pride of ownership that you know this is trying to be a great building. And you're kind of acting like a hanyak. So I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to say, don't do it anymore. I'm going to watch for it. I'm going to let you know I'm watching for it. I mean, I'm probably an awful landlord, but it's for bad guys. So I'm okay that I'm an awful landlord for bad guys. Um, it's, it's, it's all part of making it a good neighborhood. And that's, it, you just can't allow compromises to exist. You know, you can't, well, 
I'm scared of the guy number 18, so I'm never ever going to, even though he's smoking in his unit and, you know, he's crashing his car into the wall. It takes some fortitude. No, you just walk right up and and they do not like to be confronted either. They usually are not powerfully strong character type people. So I don't know. Those conversations never go well, though, do they? Yeah. I mean, well, define never go well. Well, it's not like, oh, I've seen the error of my ways, Doug. Deb, I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. And then they never do it again. Yeah, there's no confessions on no. during those conversations. <laughs> I don't know. I did. We did have the one guy who said, "You know, I've been I've been looking for a reason to quit smoking." I'm trying to remember who that was. And one people have one guy, no, maybe a lot one guy. Of people say that, but they never. That's really, a good point. It never yeah. really happens, yeah. and I get it. I mean, as far as that goes, I mm-hmm. know quitting smoking is difficult. Don't don't make excuses. It is difficult, but it's but again, it is difficult. By I me. smoked I, for I years and I did it. it. A, yeah. a, a bad guy who's writing you a rent check is not helping you. So I guess I'm I'm thinking it always goes well because they normally don't hang around, and that's good because now I got an open unit. I can turn it, make it beautiful, put a good person in there, and suddenly my building's a whole lot better. I don't know. How many of them had you have? I guess not exact number. What percentage would you think you have to actually go through with an eviction or at least start the eviction before they get the hint? You know, because you're not being subtle. Like, hey, look, you signed the lease, you know, you know whatever. You got to, right. it's not it's, acceptable. You know what? In this last year, now. in this last year, we have done two evictions. And one of them was that physical eviction. I can't even remember where that was. Oh, was Holt Road. Holt, Holt Road. We've, had to move a lady's stuff out to the curb. Uh, was that on shit. New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve? I think it, it was New Year's. It was over the Somewhere holy days, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it just doesn't happen much. Uh, people more want to leave before it gets to that point. It's you just would not think, worth it, right? Yep. Before Seems, your stuff is set mm-hmm. out on the curb, yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's pretty unusual. Then. That's a real disadvantage. All of a sudden, all your stuff is out in the neighborhood. And, and know, it's like carrion and vultures. I mean, the neighborhood's free to come by and grab anything, and they do. And every so, time we thought we'd have to go back and clean stuff up, and you go back. nothing there. There's yeah. nothing, nothing. It's gone. It's like, I don't know who comes by and takes And that's when you get the email like, from the person, did you put my stuff out, out there? <laughs> well, I thought I did, but none of it's there anymore. You might have to talk to the entire freaking neighborhood to find but, your but, stuff. I mean, you They're sending you about, an email afterwards? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wondering, that's happened twice. Wondering, yeah. did you really do it? And I'm thinking, we're, Doug's pretty upfront and straight shooter as far as if we're going to do this, we're going to... You know, he's not kidding around. He doesn't threaten people. It just it's Actually, like, I rented you a storage unit and I put it all in there. Well, no, what do you think I was going to... Well, that's what the government is but, uh, going to town, force yeah. us to have to do. You think so? They've talked oh, yeah. about it. They're already kicking around the law. Yeah. They know. Yeah. Yep. This is a problem with this people is, don't own things. They that's right. just have no idea. They have no they idea. Just, oh, stuff just takes care of itself. It just right. all magically happens. That is one thing people probably want to think about when they're thinking about buying uh, rental property, too, is you need to look into the uh, rental regulations in your community because uh, that can kind of make or break things uh I don't know if it makes or breaks it. Maybe as much as it just can get annoying. There are some places that are truly allowed easier. You know, so to nobody's deal with concerned about the money you should be paid for your rent. They're None. concerned about yep. the people who didn't pay and their stuff and the six to eight weeks they have to move their stuff to another location. Yeah. And that's not good enough. Let me yeah. tell you, there's nobody on your side in this conversation. No, I the, know. the courts. I mean, if if we go to evict somebody. You know, the way we work is we're putting a seven-day notice out to them if we don't have the rent by the 6th. We give them a five-day grace period. 
if I don't get that money with an additional fee because it's on the 5th now, okay, I'm putting a seven-day notice, which says you've got seven days to pay or else I'm going to try to evict you. If I don't get the money by then, then I go in, I have to go to my attorneys because I can't file on my own because I'm an LLC. Yeah. So I've got to give my attorney 45 bucks, or I've got to give the court 45 bucks if I want to file. I have to do an additional $45 if I want to attempt to garnish money. That goes to the court, uh, friend of the court guy who then tries to serve these people. And all the while, the clock's ticking. And you won't even get into court until mid-month the following month. Okay, so I'm starting on the 7th, so I'm automatically advancing my head to 45 days from now, which is probably like mid to late next month is when I'll get the judgment. And the judgment, once it comes down, gives them 10 days to comply. Once those 10 days have burned up, then you go back to the judge and you say, you know what? The tenant basically said, F you. I know you told them to pay up or move, and they're still there. That's when you physically show up with sheriffs or deputies or the friend of the court guy and uh, movers, and you do. You you unlock the door and you walk in. You put everything out on the curb. But it's so much days of delay that that's virtually you're at day, what, 60? Before you can take ownership of that unit over again. And that's just trying to make people go away. You know, like Debbie was talking about, the whole storage unit thing. Yeah, now they want me to have to possibly rent a storage unit, move all their stuff into the storage unit, me pay for the rental of it, one more collection burden. Yeah. Know that they've actually passed it, but I hope they talk about because the city doesn't want it on their property. The city doesn't want the stuff out on the curb. It used to be you couldn't put it on your own property because it had to be off your property. And now the city doesn't want it on that list. So where do you put their stuff? Dumpster. So they're saying you rent something and you put all their things in that. Detroit makes you get a dumpster, which. That's not a terrible thing. Think about thing, that. But, but what's the expense of a dumpster? It is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So. But at least you pay once and it's gone. True. But they're well, going to make you sign a six month lease. But there'll be people upset that stuff in dumpsters is open to the environment. And, you know, we I mean. have a lid on those, I think. Probably, yeah. Don't you? I don't know. I would introduce I don't a couple of raccoons the... in there and spray maple syrup all over it. <laughs> I don't think you can do that. No, you can't. But anyway, yeah. The collectivists are like, I got, I have to hammer this point home because there are young people. For whatever reason, when you try and privatize, this is a debate I get into. Like, well, I don't have to pay for college. Like, it's not being paid for. Or they ignore the fact that you're out two months' rent plus all these other additional expenses. And, and keep in mind, why did we go to court to begin with? Because yeah. they probably weren't paying rent. Yes. So we're usually out yes. a little bit more than two months of rent. Yes, yep. and they want, they want to take this private thing and make it a, a collective thing. Mm-hmm. Like, well, mm-hmm. it's not their responsibility. It's everybody else's responsibility. And we're going to – you have an asset. It's your responsibility. That's right. That's essentially – and – you can't have nice things if you want if you want it to be like that. You just come on. You remember that from your kid, folks. If it was your toy, you took care of it. If it wasn't your toy, you probably didn't. Or if it was everybody's toy, it was. I mean, just come on. Just turn your fucking brain on and think yeah. about it for a second. It's, and it's never fun to do those type of evictions ever, ever, ever. But the, I do believe that 
the there's they get plenty of notice that this is coming. This is never a surprise to these people or they get lots of notices. They get weeks and weeks of time. So you just have to realize people there are consequences for your behavior. Now here's the other side of the story, right? Because there is always going to be another side. There are some people that do after all these months pay you up in full. Good. And that's I like that. I th- I think that sends a wonderful message. They get it. They're a good enough citizen that they realize they have a debt obligation and they pay it up. We had one just happened. Um, I had to call up the court and say, I know I requested the writ of eviction, but cancel it because she paid in full. And this was the same drag it out, you know, 90 days, 120 days. She paid up everything. And so that can happen. But in a perfect world, you're doing a good enough job of selecting people so you don't get into this place to begin with. Now, a lot of people, they're going to wake up one day and they're going to lose their job. Or they're going to wake up one day and they're going to be ill or sick or their car got crushed. I mean, there's always mitigating circumstances that... They'll probably just move out, though. I owe it to them to work through if I can. But those types of folks just recognize, they're like, Doug, I can never going to be able to make this up. I just, I'm going to leave. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, I mean... You brought up an excellent point. mm -hmm. I don't want you to to go by it because it's something... I'm going through, so I think maybe it's more relevant. Maybe somebody will listen and hear it. Obviously, I ran, I've talked about it before, I can't talk about it a lot in detail. I've ran two businesses in the ground. Mm-hmm. I owe a significant amount of money to a lot of people. When I started making payments, you just feel so much better about yourself. Yep. You just do. And if you're wondering, well, I don't have to, or maybe you declared bankruptcy, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying if, if you said you were going to do something, you already look like an asshole. You might as well you might as well feel better about it. And then everybody treats you differently too when you start when you start doing those things. True. So I'm trying to convert some of these people. Get them, no, get them on our side. Yeah, <laughs> it comes a, out of nowhere. Isn't it a, nowhere. a moral thing, an ethical thing, an honesty thing, a being a good citizen well, thing? I'm trying to make it personal. Yeah, so you well, feel better. Yep, I think they do. And because maybe do. I don't know if it's the first time in their life that they've ever done the right thing, or maybe they's always maybe they've always done the right thing, and they just got in a bad place. But th- there's extremes. There's always extremes. There's people that hate themselves when they owe you anything, and they will do anything they can. They'll get a second job. You know, they'll do all those kind of. Um, those are great people. Yeah, those are yep. great people. Yeah. They'll throttle up their income to get out of of trouble and i've seen that and it really touches your heart it kind of hurts your heart a little bit because you realize geez oh pete's you know i'm the only reason they took that second job to, and aren't with their daughters is because they're paying me off but then i also have to look at there's for some reason a debt that a tenant owes to a landlord is never considered as th- theft well yeah it is theft but well you're... but it's never legally considered as theft i mean we have our own laws we have our own tenant landlord places tenant landlord courts if they were to have taken $670 of goods from Myers, they'd be in handcuffs. Jail. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But with me, they get to take $670 worth of, here's what it costs to live here. But what about the kids, Doug? That's right. Can't put us kids, out on the street. Dad? So yeah. the point is, all I really have is their good intention because I really don't have much pressure, legal pressure to put against them other than to make them homeless. I mean, that's a, it's a landlord tenant. You know, they they made it separate. They they separated out from all the other civil issues going on. I don't know that that's as effective as it could be, but no. I understand there's so much of it that they probably did it to help streamline the the process. I don't know. I don't. I don't make excuses but if you for run them. Your business, right? I think it can be a very small yes part. 
That's for why us, you have to be so careful. For right? us, it's a small part. But it, it's like you, a marriage. But it's necessary. Be you careful. Can't let people. You can't let people not pay the rent when you have you know seventy other people doing the right thing. Right. Um, I know it's like your family doesn't matter. Like your right. goals, your retirement, your I, things that's what you I tell want. Them. My kids all are yeah. paying their own rent. I don't pay theirs. Why would I? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to pay a stranger's yeah. rent. If I do, I want it to be voluntary too. Yeah. I'm yep. not going to be right. held up. Right. For me, it's a comfortable conversation. I mean, you agreed to pay, you're not paying, and so we're going to have to get someone else besides you and me to decide. And, and I've, the problem is, if you become the safety net, you continue to be the safety net. Yeah, right. you're not doing them any favors. No, no you're, you're not. not. It sounds just, harsh, but if they haven't been through it, it does sound harsh. But it really is the only way to. Like it's your, your fat, you money. need to work out. Yeah. It's going to hurt for a <laughs> long time. If you suck at finances and you owe lots of people money, I'm ah. just telling you, if you want to stop sucking at finances, start paying people back. Right. right. You will stop making that mistake when you have to pay for That's it. True. Yep. I promise you so true. that will work. Well, it might take you a while, but just start. Even if it's 10 bucks, just start and then it will become very clear to you what you need not do in the future. Right. right? And, and you'll feel better. Yeah. That's right. And it's for simple. us, it's talking about feeling about it. It's like for us, we have to have a, because we're uh, an LLC, we have to have our, it has to go through our lawyer. So we really aren't too much of a part of that besides sending out the notices. And I feel like that's kind of been a nice, it's like you put that on the back burner. You don't have to think about it all the time. I want to focus on all the people that are paying their rent. And being yeah. That's a lot more fun to focus on the good guys than the, instead the of bad guys, the people but. that are problem tenants. You know, if you just take care of it quickly, mm-hmm. it's like that's gone and you can enjoy your business again. You know, we've never lost a, uh, a landlord tenant, uh, judgment. We've won every single one and I'm not bragging, but what I'm saying is people shouldn't be afraid of that. You know, I think a lot of people for some reason, maybe they it's because the courts are kind of an unknown or whatever. What if there's an eviction? I hear it all yeah, the time. Yeah. Know? Just, well, there's going to be an eviction, right? There's going to be an at, eviction. At some point it's, you can't and screen if, people that well. Right. That's exactly right. And as good We're as we screen too, people, right? there's human beings and human things are going to happen. And you just, I'm not saying that I'm a cold, bloodless thug. Maybe I am slug. I meant, but you're not. Oh, you just have like to. Like the grandpa I never had. There you go. <laughs> you just have to go with what you say you're going to do. I mean, it's it shouldn't be a hard, uncomfortable thing. Deb was saying we're talking about other people. You know, why is this such a struggle? And, and she realized the people we used to look up to that were landlords, they go, yeah, you know, I've got this guy. He's five months behind. And you just realize anybody can own a building. There's nothing to own in a building. It's it's making sure that economic engine is functioning correctly, and that's where everybody kind of gets in trouble in this business. If you've got someone five or six months behind or whatever, you're a fool. You know, you're, you're not you're not the economic side of your business either doesn't make sense to you. It's not or, a business. Yeah, it's not a business anymore. You're now you're running it like a business. Now you're running anyway. a charity, yes. and it's become a place where people can stay for free. Go ahead and go five. If you want to get a five hundred one c three, start mm-hmm. a charity. Do it that way. Yep. Otherwise, it is a business. You're right. right. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I like that rant. Plus, I love talking about these things because most people get on there and only talk about all the sexy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like anything. Oh, some there's plenty. There's coin, plenty of right? sexy stuff. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I put brand new windows on my own first building, and I drive by that building so slow and <laughs> admire so every single building, every single window. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm bragging up the windows. Anyway, yeah, but no, the the dark side, the eviction side, the tenant side. I mean, I think all of us are just naturally not comfortable in confrontation. For reasons that I can't quite explain, it could be because I'm the youngest and all my older brothers and sisters were kind of oldest brothers and sisters 
I'm comfortable with confrontation. It just, it doesn't rattle me and it doesn't throw me for a loop. And so I'm, I don't want to say, uh, well, maybe I kind of look forward to it. For me, that's the sexy part is making bad guys pay. You know, I mean, honestly, I, I, I've, I don't seek that out because that means I've failed a little bit if there's a bad guy that even exists in my building. But being comfortable in taking the correct steps, and, and I do mean the correct steps, you can't do shortcuts. There's a lot of people that get furious at a tenant, they change the locks on the door. Or they get furious at a, chan- at a, at a tenant. Um, they that's will, a good way to end up in jail. They will block yeah. their parking spot or something that's, wait a minute, you're, you're out of bounds now. You're not being effective here. I just immediately go to the courts. I just keep it legal, keep it above board. Everything's very easy to explain. And when it's a judge that says you're a bad guy, it's no longer Doug Benson just acting like he's being a jerk landlord. It's no, you know, and I got Judge Wapner on my side too. So that makes no sense to me, but I understand that most people don't do anything until they defer to authority, Mm -hmm. right? Like you could just leave, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I can't pay. I'm going to be out in a week. And, And we do put that in front of people. Yeah. In fact, I've given people money to leave. Yeah, I've done the same. Because that was a that was a smarter yeah, that way was to spend painful, the money. But we did. It was the right that, thing to do. It was the right thing to times. do. Yeah. Yep. Lots of squatters in Detroit. I like the pros though. You know, a couple hundred bucks and they go. That's. Mm-hmm. It's cheaper than the courts and leaves leaves your furnace, leaves everything important yeah. there. Yeah. Yep. You just know? you sometimes just have to remove crazy really quick. Yeah. Before you scare everybody else. It's not an easy thing to do, though. I'm like, why should I pay you? But it's a smart business decision. Yeah, it is. It is. No. You're going to pay somebody. That's mm-hmm. right. Might as, well, might as well pay a little less. Plus, you're. I like how you say you make them pay. Ironically, you're doing them a favor. Life will be a lot easier for them if they just learn that it's a pay-as-you-go yeah. kind of thing. You have to take care of yourself. and Yes. The people who don't make them pay, aren't. I, I don't think, care about them. Well, these people. If you cared about them, you would not let them do these things. Well, plus take a look at how the system is wired too. If previous landlord didn't make them pay, i.e., didn't get a judgment, didn't get it recorded in the public record that this is a bad guy tenant, now to me they look like a good guy tenant. Passing it on. Yeah, and I feel like an obligation to all my brothers and sisters that are trying to do well in this business to let them know, hey, this person, you know, they they me for three months worth of rent. I had to take them to court. It's kind of a pain in the neck. I have no problem whatsoever labeling that person legally and, you know, within the boundaries of the law. I mean, I'm not spray painting them or anything like that. That way, when we, when the guy, the downstream guy sees that they're that kind of person. Yeah. You're really doing them a favor. I think I'm doing everybody a favor. And I wish they do that same favor for me. Yeah. So... You know, I, it seems like I get people that you can't even believe that they've ever rented anything in their life because nothing shows up on their record. And that's when you discover, well, these guys were laying low, not saying anything bad about them. Just let them drift. Hopefully they'll drift somewhere else and get out of my little world. And, you know, they, they land on my shore and they look good. And I talked to the previous landlord. Oh yeah, they paid. We've got people, they pay all the time. They pay right on time. And there's psychotic human beings that shouldn't be living in your building. You're just not going to know that if you've got the wrong kind of landlord talking about them. So I think we owe it to each other. We owe it to everybody to give real honest appraisals. You know, if somebody puts a tenant verification form in front of you, take the time to fill it out. Yeah. Be honest I mean, about yeah, it too. Be that was going to be a question. Yep. How many, how many, cause this happened to me several times mm-hmm. just in houses 
how many reference checks have you done and how oh, they're great and then you get them and they're not great and you know immediately you've been had we're working on one right now and okay. we're making her yeah. go away um we I had to do a termination of tenancy the previous two people behind her always paid on time would you rent to her again if she's qualified I, I just didn't get any symptoms about what this person was. She is uh, beyond description, noisy, volatile, violent. Um, she's a, her own little piece of poison on a corner of a building. And the whole building doesn't think highly of me because she's living there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Why would they? They're paying good money. Exactly. And I got to deal with that too, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, that makes me look bad. And, you know, so. And that is our responsibility. So that's yeah. right. We have to take care of it. Right? You that's are right. the landlord. It that's is your right. building. Yep. It is not theirs. Right. You know, and the thing is, I traded her for some drug dealers that I got to leave the building super fast after we bought the building. And there's a part of it's a bad thinks, trade. There's a part of it that thinks, geez, you know, those drug dealer guys might have been a little bit quieter. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, uh, yeah. If you're going to be a criminal, quiet is a good thing. Quiet yeah. is important. Yeah, if you want to yep. just fly under just, the radar. Yep. <laughs> Pay your rent on time. Yeah. Don't make goofy noises or smells. And uh, yeah, maybe you can survive. What, um, what habits um, have you guys developed? It's, it sounds like, Deb, you do a lot of the looking, maybe, or more. Of the look, like you're prospecting, you're kind of looking. There's a division of labor, it sounds like. Yep, so maybe, there is. maybe give me a description of the, the division of labor, who does what, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. At this point, I would say Doug does most of the, he does all the paperwork, um, the accounting every month, fills out all the forms, and that pretty much I'm meeting people at the building, letting contractors in. I, at this point, having two new buildings there's a lot of turn you know we're rehabbing a lot of units so i'm painting some of those and cleaning up and just trying to keep things moving along really quickly so yeah mm -hmm. that is yep. probably i do a whole lot more of that i think you found out i'm trying to think of all the she's probably found 60 or 70 percent of our buildings i mean i was with her when we saw alpha street but you know i think it's you and your brother were the ones that served up holt road and uh, you knew Wave about Dallas before I did, and Waverly I found on the MLS. Yeah, Waverly you found. So yeah, and I will. A she lot does. of times I'm looking a lot more because I did. I really like rehabbing houses, so I did oh, a whole lot more too. of that. Like I'm always looking for houses, so and I'm flip through apartment buildings then too. So mm -hmm. that's no, that's huge because. Um, <laughs> I'm more operations because it's more interesting to me, you know, try to squeeze every nickel I can out of this business, you know, try to make as much profit as I can. So I'm, I will run across through networks. I'll run across available deals, but Debbie seems to really keep her plates full with the stuff she's seeing. So yeah, extremely valuable. Plus we're getting in trouble because she's the best painter in the universe. And I'm trying to get her to retire from painting, but I don't know if I really want to because she's so doggone good. And so that's that's causing that's causing an issue, you know. And I wish I was speedier, but yeah, we're we're working through it. We mm -hmm. found, like I said, we found some really really good um, contractors, yes, and maintenance yes. people yeah. that have just those people are wonderful. Uh, the, when you can count on somebody, know they're honest, trustworthy. Trust them with a key to your building. Know that they'll be good to your tenants. Yeah. Uh, now, since we are in the commercial world, I mean, we do. They have. They do have to be bonded. bonded. You know, what I mean. Yeah. They absolutely. might be a trustworthy guy, but they kind of got to go that extra step. Yeah. And, um. But yeah, we've we've well, been really blessed like that, with some really great 
maintenance guys and that's been I mean we've certainly seen a few bad ones but yes. I mean, we have come across a couple of really good ones through networking that have just been great. I mean imagine never having to revisit that same faucet. I mean that's you don't realize how horrific maintenance can be until you eliminate how do I say this? We used to have to figure, well, you know, every faucet needs to be maybe replaced every year only because I was hiring a st- I got to watch my language. I was hiring a guy that probably wasn't as good as he ought to be. And uh, he was buying materials that probably weren't as high grade. Or as good grade. as he thought he was. Right. Or as good as he thought he was. I like that. I'm great. Yep. That's better. You were not great. So, you know, <laughs> a lot of the guys that are there are good at hammer swinging and stuff like that. That's where they're going to have a natural advantage over me is if they're really good at the plumbing and the electrical and stuff like that to where I'm going to have to only be as good as the best guys I can find. And I recognize that. I recognize that, you know, the DIY guys, they'll always have a competitive advantage over me with that part of it. But if I can find a guy who's decent, smart, ethical, good, can do well in front of my tenants, because you can have a great contractor who's a kind of a mindless fool in front of the tenants. Like, whoa, you know, take a look at this. You know, this this is probably against the law what's going on under here. Oh, my God. Well. Yeah, you're not getting hired again. You're here yeah, to fix it. But you don't know that was even said until the city calls you up and says, uh, we seem to have a problem in apartment number two. I think you're in violation of whatever. You know, like I've got plutonium stored down there. That happens. You know, I mean, guys just aren't, they just don't think it through of what they're, who they're, uh, who they ought to be losing sleep over upsetting the tenant or the guy who's writing them the check to fix the work. If you're listening to this, the person writing the check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. No, I know it. So it's not hard. Unless but, unless know, of course just, they're evil. Then yeah. that's different. But otherwise, mm-hmm. just the person writing the check. Defer. But, but it also I think takes us you do want someone that's gonna be respectful to the to your tenants and be friend. I mean, I can remember early on we had somebody that was just he kept insinuating what the tenant was saying was wrong was there was nothing wrong with the sink. And I'm like, I'm standing outside the door and all I hear the two of them fighting, him saying no, I told you there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. The tenant starts swearing at him and See I that? thought they were going to Let me tell you, now you've got two people that don't like me. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like guys, <laughs> that's the wrong direction. Yeah, this isn't working out we're the, going the wrong to. way. Yep. It's like <laughs> I like people that are just kind of have a friendly attitude and are pleasant. Uh, yep. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's kind of the model you guys set up too, right? Like this is It's a whole package. It's all our We think so cuz yeah. you know, these guys by and large, their role, they're an extension of us. I mean, they, they kind of are asker properties. You know, if I put a really bad guy or a dangerous guy or a guy that's a stealing guy, um, what I love is we have put guys into these buildings soon after we buy the buildings. So the people are in a highly distrustful state and they will accuse the guy of stealing something. And I know that they didn't steal anything because they never, ever had in the 10 years that they've been working with me. But I can't win that tenant over because they've only known me for 10 minutes, right? Because it's a new building to us. But on the, you know, I'm thinking of that, the Elmhurst one, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up getting that, that beautiful phone call of, oh, Mr. Benson, I am so sorry. I, you know, fell behind the dresser. Yeah, fell behind the dresser. We, we found it. We know your guy didn't take it, you know, and I'm glad they called. Yeah, I thought, well, that was it. cool that they called. But, you know, I mean, you, you, you're just going to always have that when you first show up. You know, Did I mean? you immediately say, I know? No. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you let that slide? Oh, it's just there's so many things that you have to balance when you do switch 
ownership of a building. And when the new owners show up, they're going to have a whole brand new cast of characters. Uh, they'll be apparently or appearing to wander freely around the halls, you know, and that's disconcerting. So um, it takes you a while to get that. It's like any other trust issue. It just takes a while to get the trust going. But once it's going and it's good, then it's really easy. Then it is really easy because then they all know John or they all know, you know, Brian or they all know whoever it is that's that's coming in to help or they'll they'll tell him about issues that are going on that maybe they were hesitant to mention because a lot of people believe like that crazy guy that used to sit on the toilet and have the sewer stuff dropping on his head. That's they, pretty, they think, yeah, they think that's a standard day. Like that's a regular day living in this building. Can you imagine if he'd told anybody about that? Oh, yeah. what, what, they'd go, oh, you're kidding. It's that bad. Who Your landlord must really stink. That's not helping the marketing. Oh, it's not helping anything. So, Like he didn't call the city. <laughs> wonder, I just wonder how long he did that before he's like. I don't even want to think towels. about it. Like, yeah. That was his problem solving yep. solution. Well, like, the, yeah. The, first, I guess it doesn't take long for drywall to open up once it's wet. But yeah. Still. Yeah, bring me some towels. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So you mentioned some education. The um, was it Dave Dave Lindall, right? Dave Lindall, yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any books? I don't know what your education process has been like. Books, seminars, anything like that. Anything you would recommend? Because um, you guys have done a lot, and I know you've done a lot of on the job training too. But you yeah. mentioned some education. Anything you that sticks out? I think you need to start with that because you're way more educated in this than I am. No, well, no, I'm not, but Dave Lindell was probably, we already had some buildings when we took that and we really found his course to be, um, helpful, really helpful. He, his was he real. The, a lot the of mechanics of, of the Dave Lindell stuff was, was all the stuff I was looking for. You know, what's your average cost per unit for insurance, for maintenance, for utilities? You know, what's, he, he had a bunch of tools to help you figure out if the building was going to be profitable uh, or not. And right. Estimating it just, really important stuff that we found like, well, that's exactly that how us. we do it. Yep. That's how we mm-hmm. found it um, to work well for us. And then we even got some tips there as well. But I think the only thing I probably would say about his course is, you know, he promotes the, bigger buildings you know like he says it's just more zeros on the end of the of the checks and yeah i guess if if i were recommending anybody starting i would say i think there's some benefit to starting with a duplex or a fourplex or you know a sixplex i i think that that could be pretty overwhelming to just start with a hundred smaller mistakes you're going to make mistakes. Right. You are going to make a mistake. Smaller mistakes do, does seem like I, I went all in. The problem with going all in is you can lose everything. You can lose everything. Yeah. Uh, if no, you're, you're smart, right. what, what does Warren Buffett say? The first rule is never lose money. The second rule is never lose money. <laughs> <laughs> I really. Thank you, Warren. Yeah. I need to yep. go back and like, if you, if you go all in, but that, there's always that confirmation bias too. Look at all these other people that went all in. Well, yeah. Because you're not seeing all the people went all in, living on the street, had to move back in with mom and dad in the basement. You know? Yeah, you're not seeing that. They're not. Yeah. They're not doing the interview. Your life is ruined. How are you right. doing? So, <laughs> I lost it all. So that, that's an excellent point. Smaller mistakes, right? Yeah, like I'm. I'm. I'm still thinking. You know, I mean, he certainly says whatever you feel comfortable with. But I would say that the the seminar is definitely a push that. Oh, You'll make yeah. a whole lot more money if you Yeah, the, go the seminar is all there. about buy your next building and retire when you buy. Yeah, I mean, it's all that they dangle that gold 
Covered. Need some sex, yep. right? And the, the, needs to be wow. shiny, a little polish. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like, there's some oh. people asking questions that are so basic, uh, legitimate, good questions. But you just realize, oh my gosh, that that person might even, not going to be a millionaire tomorrow. They're yeah. going to have a hard time yeah. with a hundred unit right building. So, yeah, I think his information is great. Um, it is. I, I, I thought it was all his information really hit the road running, and it, it all was very recognizable to the business. Again, Lindahl was pushing Lindahl, like everyone kind of always does. I mean, he was wanting to partner up with his students, you know, so they'd bring him more deals. He's trying to network deals. Now, the yeah. thing I really liked out of Lindahl, though, was when we, we got that mentoring, um, mm-hmm. Kate and Charlie, Charlie Dobbins. Um, super bright people. I feel like I can, I can give Kate or Charlie a call anytime I want when I have something <laughs> strange that I've never run across before. And they've always been there for us. So that was cool. Uh, but, you know, for them, it's always been bouncing off situations that we're in from just raw knowledge transfer. I think, you know, the Lindahl series at least worked for us. Um, in terms of house stuff, I, you know, we, we spent some time with the Markage Law Group um, down here in Detroit. Uh, yeah, he since shut that down. He doesn't yeah, he do didn't. it anymore. Yep, but he doesn't do it anymore. He did it for a long time. Yeah. He taught us how to buy foreclosures. You know, I mean, that was mm-hmm. that was very valuable when we were that doing house flipping. Time huh? short, mm-hmm. short sales were in. Um, I think I still think I know everybody says rich dad, poor dad, but I think that's a great starting book for. I think there's a reason why everybody says it. There's a know? reason why everyone yeah. says that. And yeah. once again, I would say he says uh, the only issue I would probably have is that he, he talks about duplexes and hiring yeah. a management company. And I would, to me, that kind of seems yeah. like. I don't. I don't think I would hire a management company to do take care of a duplex. I think that there'd be some real value in you doing that yourself. Maybe hiring people to do things you don't know how to do, but at least being involved. Hey, you talk initially. about starting small. If the first thing you do is you have somebody else take on the property management of a small little place, you're missing out on that education. And because even if eventually you have to have a management company, like say you do buy a 200 unit. Um, complex, you still have to manage the people who are managing it. You have to understand the information that you're getting transferred to you. That is something that is a little annoying is that I guess, I guess when you're in the process of selling, you want to sell, right? And you don't necessarily want to make it too real, but yeah, everything, there's, there's no set and forget that I've found. It's everything requires a management. And if you're hiring people, it's a different kind of management. You know, it is. There's there's management happening. There's mm-hmm. accountability happening. And if you think you can skip it, right? But I think you've got it. You have to, unless you've done it. I don't know how you can know if those numbers make sense of maybe what you got charged to put a new toilet in, or you know what somebody charged you to fix a roof, or how do you know that that's a legitimate cost, or if it needed to be done, or I mean, I don't know how you evaluate that if you have no experience. Right, uh, you do it I the agree. Way I did it. I haven't done a single rehab. You get ripped off a lot. I bet. Yeah, because you don't know that you, you pay are being one way or another. Yeah. You're going to pay you with your time, know. and you're going to learn, mm-hmm. or you're going to pay with your money, and you're going to learn. There's, I have a. That's how I did it. I got yeah. like literally, they charged me double what they should have, and I just didn't know. And so, I mean, I saved myself time. Yep. I did not save myself money, yeah, you know. No, so it I seems agree. like you're going to be in the beginning. They're just, I like what you said, smaller mistakes because they're mm-hmm. going to be made. You're and you'll learn so much, yeah. you know. There's there's so many aspects to Where were you 10 properties. years ago? Huh? This is yeah. sage advice. Yep. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, I remember I remember right after we bought Holt Road, you know, the fourplex, and 
uh, lady's lease ran out and she <laughs> wrote me a letter said she was moving. <laughs> and I, I was like, well, it never occurred to me that any of these tenants were going to leave. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't know that because you don't know the business. I mean, you think. Aren't you just, just going to stay here like, forever, yeah, lady? Didn't you come with the building? I just, I just <laughs> You're remember. You're mine now. <laughs> okay, now separate yourself from that knowledge gain. And I think you're not going to get real big real fast, you know, if you do it that way. But I We're, love the philosophy. Of, it's a beautiful philosophy. To, I mean, the whole thought of what's an asset and what isn't yep. an asset. And, it blew my mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a real eye opener for me. Yeah. See, I got in tax, trouble. Tax cattle, and you got to change your mindset, you know? I got in trouble shooting down the whole book because he talked about property management for duplexes, but I, I should give him a break because, you know, I mean, he is absolutely an entrepreneur. He's a capitalist. He knows what he's doing. He knows what yeah, he's talking I love about. I his books. Yeah. Uh, the Keller Williams series is, I thought that was good. Oh, yeah. Uh, investor. I don't know why I waited so long. Investor. The million, yeah, the millionaire real estate investor and the millionaire real estate agent. Uh, certainly, uh, disclaimer, um, I'm with Keller Williams. Oh, you are? Yes. And, by the way, um, there's a lot of uh, Keller Williams religion in that. That being said, some of the best books I've ever – like when you're talking about actual what you're going to do – like. I highly recommend you read both books. And then if you're in a business, the one thing, like I got jammed up about nine months to a year. I was doing too many things. I wasn't focused on the yes. right things. And some people suggested I, I read The One Thing by yep. Gary Keller. and That is a good book as well. It's a very simple book. And if you it read is. it and, you, and if you already know your one thing, you'd be like, why would you recommend that book? Okay. It's for people who don't know what it is. All right. You maybe need it. If you read it and you go, I didn't need that. Good. Some yeah. people do, and I was one of the ones that needed some focus in my life. I bought it for Doug, and I read it. Doug, yeah. <laughs> I, like, okay, I got. I don't know what you guys are talking about. But I didn't do more of the yeah. Doug, have you heard of Audible? You yes. have a smartphone. That's I ha- true. I have it right it, on. Actually, it's wonder. It. We have an Audible I, account, I'm right? Painting. Yes. I can listen. Yep. to But I'm those. farming. Is when I do. Yeah. It. yeah. It's like it's it's great. You can really get into it. I've listened to that book probably six times. So. It's not as good as reading it. Reading it's way better, mm-hmm. but if I listen to it, I just kind of like burn it into my brain. So you like all the Keller Williams series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, those are stuff. the two I've read. You've read virtually. You've read a lot. You have. You are. I've read a lot. That's another thing, too. She has this to... vast depth bucket of knowledge here from the gurus, and I, I, I don't do it like that. And that's my problem. I'll admit that's my problem. I, I love listening to guys that I know immediately that they're talking about. I love meeting with them and chatting with them. I just, I don't gain my knowledge through reading and that's, we got to learn how we have to, learn. I, I, I read recreationally. I read fiction big time. I mean, I can read a book in a night, but I just, I, I, Debbie is incredible. The amount of real estate books she's put down. So I just, Kind of rely on her maybe a little bit too much. Now, one book I did read immediately, we were talking about other ways, you know, you start getting this multiple streams of income thing. Remember when it was time to invest in stocks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, um, that uh, the Wall Street guy, and uh, Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch. Read both his books in like an afternoon. Like, whoa. And then, I was, okay, now I'm Warren Buffett, and I'm going to, you know. I'm like thinking, gee, Doug, maybe we ought to think about <laughs> investing. I've read this book called, you know. By Peter Lynch, and he says we, yeah, it's like I come from work the next day. Oh, here we're fully leveraged. Yeah, we're yeah. fully leveraged. <laughs> I was like, you did what? Beating the street. That's what I think but, it was called. But you didn't read the book. No, I did. Yeah, but I thought it was a good idea. No, I read the stinking book. Anyway, that was. I don't know that. 
I do like, um, what was that? I did buy a, a guy. He's part of the Kiyosaki group and he wrote that book. Forget it. This is going to get boring. Anyway. That's not boring. This is, this is, for people who listen, this is Yep, this probably. I think there was a, um, Donald, was there a book that uh, David, David Lindahl wrote through Donald Trump's? I think so. Maybe. I didn't read. Yeah. There was, but I'm thinking this this guy was part of the Kiyosaki group, the Rich Dad Poor Dad group, and he was writing about property management, and he was writing about the you know they bought some property in Seattle or whatever, and anyway, hmm. read that. So I'll Google that, that while you're um, while I'm reminiscing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's why I see that we don't have to anymore. We could just uh, we just go look it up. But while while I'm doing that, mm-hmm. um, what does the future of Esker Properties look like? I think we keep teasing ourselves that there's a hundred plus unit complex out there that's just waiting for us to swoop in and grab it. We went south last spring because we wanted to start testing ourselves in terms of our ability to run a building that's far away from us. Because all our stuff is within 20 miles of us. We weren't finding anything in the area. Nothing had come up for sale. Ken, that might be it. Ken McElroy, the ABCs oh, of Ken property that's it. Yep. management. That's okay, it. so that's part of the rich dad. For everybody listening, yeah. this will all be in the show notes, folks. Yeah. The ABCs of property management. Uh, it's Rich Dad Advisors by Ken McElroy. There Ken McElroy, that's the guy. Thank you, yep. Google. So anyway, we thought, well, you know what? We always love. Uh, we went to places. We Myrtle Beach, Myrtle yeah. Beach mm-hmm. yeah. And we we plotted out some places to look at on the way back. Chattanooga, we wanted to look at. Knoxville, we wanted to look at. But, but the primary thing left. was, yeah, <laughs> before we left, we get this phone call about this 20-unit building that's near Alpha Street. It's that Elmhurst, right? And I'd always been looking at that building. I mean, anytime I go to Alpha Street, you can't help but see a 20-unit solid brick apartment building that's across the the street from you. And we got a call like two days before that. And so two days before we were scheduled to leave to go down South. And the only reason we're going down South is to buy moldy family in the South. We spent evenings on the beach at Myrtle beach doing the, um, disclosure and the, you know, yeah. doing the buying a property yeah. in our hometown. We spent all the right. We spent time in Myrtle <laughs> so beach we got to watch the waves. And yeah, it was, that's right. It was a great vacation, but oh, boy. it was like crazy. To, like here we are down here on the beach. Yeah. We're doing due diligence down and, but we did meet a really great broker and yeah, we did. down yep. there. And you know, we've kind of networked with him on a few things and yep. we're still hoping that maybe we'll find some, we're, we're still going to look. And yeah, it, we're, it's just these two buildings that we liked. And had oh, been kind yeah. of looking at and for had, years. Yeah, we'd called on a couple of those a Both couple of, them. of times yeah. in the past, so it was just great. To, I had tried to buy the Elmhurst building like five years earlier when the owner was uh, going; he was going through bankruptcy. Or so I thought, but I think I was being used as a uh, a plant, kind of to show the court uh, what the going price would be for this building if they decide to liquidate it. You know, I think I was kind yeah, of a there's test. a lot of that. Yeah. I get that just in the wholesale business yep. where you're being shopped for bankruptcy or shopped for, yep. you know, they, they would just tell you, I'll tell you, if you just say, how much do you think it's worth and how much would you pay? I'll tell mm-hmm. them, but they don't, they're like, they feel like they got to do this subterfuge, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. But anyway, uh, so that building came up and of course we were able to move pretty quick. Um, so we put that building under contract really fast after we got back. And it was interesting when I went and worked with the, uh, uh, was that the one that we did with Ben? I think, well, Ben was telling me about 
the next one we did with Ben. But Ben was telling me about Elmhurst. This is a commercial banker guy about the number of people that had come to him trying to set up offers. They were waiting for mine to fail. You know, like there's so many people in backup position to buy that wow. building. So that was cool. Um, but then snooze, you lose. You already had your well, eyes on that's that the one. thing. Well, yep. That was the thing. It's like the things don't come up very often. And they don't. It seems like there's a lot of competition for them in our area, but we're still hoping that we could, you know, maybe the next step will be a, yeah, hundred or hundred and fifty unit yep. building. A lot of opportunity comes at inopportune times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. just less than ideal, I should say. Yeah, and you still got a spring. Yeah, well, you and do, three months later, the guys that brokered the deal for Elmhurst said that they had a pocket listing for us for the seventeen unit building. Well, that seventeen unit building was in the neighborhood that Dev and I first bought our very first house in, so we were very intimate with. That neighborhood and like that neighborhood is very nice, gentle neighborhood. That building's always so beautiful. It's always appealed to us. We've been calling on that through the years, but it's a family owned building and it's hard to crack that nut. Well, all of a sudden it was on the market and we, boom. I mean, I, I, the thing that was fun about that building was, um, you know, the combination we did of private money along with commercial money. I mean, that was, it was one of those zero, I mean, I didn't put a dollar into that. And now I've got this beautiful 17 unit building. Now it's not like I'm not paying back my investors because absolutely I am. Yeah. But I was able to make the transaction happen very easily. And, uh, I, I have to be thinking larger groups of investors, uh, for our next move. You know, I mean, uh, geez, you know, a hundred unit, 150 unit building, you're going to be talking three to four and a half million. And well, I don't know. Do you have four and a half million somewhere in a in glass jar? jar? There you go. In your sock jar. It's yeah. under my pillow. There you go. Yep. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it might need uh, an investor or a friend or two, or maybe your pillow. But uh, How well do you know Josh Sterling? I don't think I do at all. I need to introduce you guys. Okay. Yeah, I cool. think you got – I think he's like a younger version of you guys. Hell, everybody's a younger version of me. Who are you no, kidding? No, I'm not like uh, – but he has has your 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 mindset in years. So he's like he's like an old older person stuffed in a younger man's body. It's <laughs> – it's very strange, especially when you're as dumb as me and made as many mistakes as me. You're like, this <laughs> oh, kid's coming up. you're yourself, Jeremy. Yeah. No, seriously. Mm-hmm. If I, well, someday, another two years, I'll tell everybody all the mistakes <laughs> I made. You'll be like, you did what? Yeah, I, I know. know. I know I did. I no, swear I did. you should never tell people. Just, just don't tell them? Just don't tell yeah, them. Yeah, keep it's that okay. facade just up, you know. Facade, it, everything yeah. always works. It was just fine. I just wanted to do it again and yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it so much. Jeez. <laughs> Why do I feel like I'm cleaning this off myself again? Yeah. I recognize the stain. So, yeah. Is there anything that I didn't cover that you guys would like to talk about? Could be could be anything or, or or maybe you put something out to the universe. I'm I'm going to plug again before we go and all that, but is that is there something I didn't cover that Boy, it seems like we've been talking about everything. I know, I know. This is a good one. This is, I, this I, is well, I hope you think it has been. I, I 2 I, hours and 12 minutes. I mean, I could go all day about apartments. I just, I love them. I love the mechanics of it. It, And it really is an engine. You know, I mean, we, like, for instance, we had a plan that we knew both, you know, the 20 unit and the 17 unit building that all the tenants were just, not every one of them was exactly our tenants, but every single one of them wasn't paying what were market rates. And, and we, we put together a plan and what's been really fulfilling is to execute to that plan. So, and here's the thing. I don't think five or six years ago, I would have, even though I'd had, you know, 32 units or whatever, I don't think I would have 
known how to make that happen. So um, I think like anybody else who gets into anything, you, you just aren't going to be the best the first day you try it. But you're going to gain enough, you know, kahunas and such that you enough chops that eventually you're going to be able to do some of these, I don't want to say strange things, but some of these more difficult things. Um, so, I mean, I'm trying to put something positive out there to people that, you know, because we wonder, how come they're not more apartment investors? Because we don't really, you know, we, we notice that. Maybe I would like to meet this guy because you, you're going to love him. We go through yeah. life and we like, okay, who, we're looking for our peer. And there's people that own thousands of units and people that own 12. And we're in this weird 81, you know, I mean, we're in the kind of stuck somewhere kinda, in between. Yeah. yeah. And it's tough to find people that even think this is interesting. Um, so we're, we're looking for a peer group to bounce ideas off, to get better with. And, um, and, and the, the way I think we can generate more peers is for people to, you know, take a good hard look and, and be a patient person about it. It's like a Christmas club deal. I mean, eventually if you do it correctly, um, the, the buildings will be worth it. The, the business is fun. If you enjoy working with people and stuff like that, it's a fun business. I'm, I'm really enjoying it a lot. And, uh, and I hope you are too. I mean, the, the thing that Deb does that's like, for instance, if, if anyone has ever, you know, seen the pictures that I put out there on Facebook about the Waverly building. She You're had, so proud of those buildings too. It's I'm one proud of all of them. They're I just like all so beautiful. Facebook page. You guys are just so proud. She puts these black appliances with these kind of darker cabinets, and these black countertops. And these units look like high brow units. You know what I mean? And they draw people. We don't have vacancies at all there. And that's by far my absolute most profitable building because we bought it out of bankruptcy. You know, I mean, it wasn't a big and we we were able to put quite a bit of money into it and still be way ahead because of, you know, what we purchased it for. But Deb has this eye, you know, she has this eye for color combinations that, boy, it just really seems to work. I mean, there's nothing to getting someone to sign on the line that is dotted if there's a real decent product waiting for them. I, I don't have to sell at all. You know what I mean? And that's what Deb makes it nice is that if people see our units, if they ever get in to see them, normally they're buying it or not buying it, but normally they're renting. And uh, I don't know. It's it's a quality thing, but I I just kind of wish there were more people doing it. I, I The conversation about apartments versus single family homes is a little bit different conversation. But, uh, you know, they're, they're on two sides of the same fence, I think. But, uh, yeah, please invest and do it wisely and do it ethically. I mean, that's the, we, we, some of us get a bad rap because, you know, bad real estate people are kind of like bad car sales people oh, yeah. is that there's so much real estate. So there's so much transactions and such a large percentage of the population is engaged in those transactions that it's hard to not have a stain or two here or there. Just try not to be those people. So we're all doing I better. I think the internet as it continues to evolve and expand is going to, is going to shrink all those dark areas these people can lurk in. You it might, know? Yeah, yeah. Just, that's the hope. I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping. That's right? the hope. Because it it'll just shrink further and further. And I don't think we'll ever get rid of it, but at least make their lives a little bit more yeah, difficult, right? Yeah. Really you got to work harder. You do. Yeah, yeah, that's... You do. I'll be okay with that. So any final words, Deb? No, I think we have covered everything. No, man, that was just great. I had Thanks a great time. I'll us. hook you guys up with, um, probably not today, but no, I'll, yeah. I'll hook you guys up with Please Josh do. Sterling. You'll like, I think he's at like 150 units. He did it in nice. six years. Nice. Dude's amazing. Um, I'll send you the podcast too. You listen to him. That's why I think you guys have a similar way of thinking and speaking and acting. So I think you guys will get along. Um, 
Hey, I want to thank my guests, Deb and Doug Benson, for their time today. And I want you to encourage you to check out what they're working on. Go to esker, E-S-K-E-R, properties.com. You can hit them up on Facebook, too, facebook.com forward slash esker properties. This will be in the show notes. 517-290-6739. 517-290-6739. Also, if I could add, we have the Adventures in Michigan Real Estate page on right. Facebook as well, which is kind well. of a happy, fun place to just banter about what has happened to you this week in real estate. So Adventures it's kind of in Real Estate. Adventures in Michigan Real Estate. Michigan Real yep. Estate. Adventures in Michigan Real Estate. Check it out. It's awesome. <laughs> and his units do look good. And uh, I enjoy following him on on Facebook too. And if you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, come on, share it, give it a like. I really appreciate it. It is a free podcast and all that stuff really does help. And if you haven't yet, please rate on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever particular app you are using that you like, um, that would really help me. And I really do appreciate it. Um, if you have any comments, or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess or go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. I'm also on Snapchat, Jeremy Burgess. Look me up. As I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment, I know I'll do it every week, to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know, mistakes, distractions, poisonous people, bad habits, lots of things preventing you from starting or continuing your goals. Pick one, stick with it, don't give up, do something every day to get you closer, even if it's one step. And I want to thank you for listening. I know you could be doing lots of other things right now. I really value your attention. And until I catch you on the next podcast, get after it.